Eagle Nation. You're listening to Gotta Talk, a podcast dedicated to all things Georgia Southern football. Now, here's your hosts, Matt Monty and Cody Anderson. And so I'm going to start this episode off with a question for you, Cody. Oh, boy. All right. Yeah, so here we go. And th- this isn't scripted or anything. I didn't really, <clears throat> I didn't tell you uh, beforehand what it, it's. It's not hard. It's 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 not like a like a pop quiz or anything. But let's let's go back in the time machine. Let's go back to August. Let's go back to the summer. Um, even even the week leading up to the Campbell game. If I told you back then that Georgia Southern would be one of two teams to play twelve games this year. 12 regular season college football games in the year 2020 amidst a, a pandemic, would you believe me? No. Yeah. No. I mean, it, it's it's just it's just incredible. I mean, and, and it's something that I've wanted to talk about here for a few weeks, and I wanted to open the show with this and, and you know, talk for a couple minutes about it because it's worth talking about. And it's it's a huge accomplishment honestly it i mean is. it's 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 just it's um i'm in awe that that, that uh, we were able to pull this off and and by we i mean I, obviously you know the coaches um uh, players the medical staff uh the administration with jared banco everybody um to yeah to be able to pull this off i mean it's absolutely just it, it, it's crazy that we were able to do it and I obviously didn't want to jinx it. I didn't want to bring it up in, in the last couple of weeks, but I think it was kind of like a no-no in, uh, in baseball, right? You didn't want to mention it, uh, but it was there. It was on everybody's mind. Like, are we actually going to um, uh, you know, pull this off and, and get through 12 games? And yeah, w- w- uh, one of two teams in the entire country to play 12 regular season games, Texas state conference mate being the other one, we potentially could be the only team this year to pull off 13 games with a bowl game, which of course we're going to talk plenty about in this episode, a lot to cover uh, in in this episode. Um, But December 23rd, RNL carriers, new Orleans bowl against Louisiana tech. We'll be talking about that later. And depending on how the college football playoff shakes out, we could be the only team in the country to play 13 games this year. So I, I just I can't say enough just about the job that, like I said, Lunsford and his staff, the the medical staff, um, you know, has done, uh, you know, Brady Klaus, uh, the senior associate AD for sports medicine. Yes, I had to look that up, <laughs> but, but but you know, our our team, our team, our team, yeah. Exactly. Our team physician had to look that up, uh, Dr. Justin Lancaster, but all these guys and plenty of names that I'm not mentioning that were obviously um, very involved with this and, and being able to pull this off. And, and, and the thing here, and I, I tweeted it out, is it's it's not just the fact that we were able to play 12 football games. It was able that it was that we were able to do it and keep everybody healthy, keep everybody safe. And obviously, you know, we we experienced, you know, like other teams, the, the effects of this pandemic. Um, you know, we had the two games postponed on us um, that we were able to make up, you know, in, in App State and in uh, Florida Atlantic in the last two weeks here. And we obviously, uh, you know, the biggest impact directly um, from the pandemic was that first game against Campbell that we still were able to play, still were able to pull off the close win, um, but had 33 players out. You know, we know uh, that that obviously isn't all COVID related, but a a big chunk of that was contact tracing. So obviously doing things the right way, um, you know, there and never really heard much about it, uh, you know, later on. I'm not saying that we didn't 
have any positive cases. You know, that stuff is kind of uh, kept close, uh, tight lipped. But, you know, and, and we see the inactive list every week, right, of, of players being out. But that's a combination of injuries, suspensions, all this kind of stuff. So there might have been a, a couple there um, that kind of went unnoticed. But for the most part, we were able to navigate these waters, um, you know, arguably better than any team in the country has, right? And I think that is just astounding. It is. It's astounding. And it, you give credit where credit is due. And that starts from the top with Jerry Binko and Coach Lunchford, all the way through the coaching staffs, players, personnel. Um, even you got to even give credit to the radio crew and all them because they're also around the players and the coaches as well. They have to go through the same testing procedures um, when they travel with the team. Um, I think you've seen Big Frank at the beginning of the season. He kind of showed a picture, too, of getting his COVID test before they go on a plane. So, again, it, it took a Herculean effort, I think, of everybody involved with this uh, football program to make this happen week in and week out. And I don't think there's enough gratitude or thanks that we as fans can give back to um, this staff and these players and coaches just for them to go through all this hard work and to go through all these extra precautions and procedures that have now been put in place for this to provide us with 12 weekends of entertainment, 12 weekends of us to get to sit there for three, four hours and not have to think about goodness, this pandemic and everything Everything going on and an escape. Yeah. Yeah, It's been a great escape. And you know, it it gave us reasons to come in and and gripe and complain and cheer and hooray and everything else. Gave us, gave us something to talk about on the podcast. Right. I mean, what would, what would we have done? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, I I mean, even, I mean, you know, obviously if we didn't even play a season, but I mean, even if we were like Ohio state out there, you know, somehow in the college football playoff conversation, still playing five games um, or like an FAU, you know, or, or something. I mean, there would have been so many gaps of, of like, we'd have to like do these interviews and the, you know, find fillers and stuff. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because, because yes, the season has not gone, you know, from a results standpoint, has not gone the way anyone wanted, right? Yeah, I, I, you know, a seven and five uh, regular season record isn't what Lunsford wanted, his staff wanted, the players wanted, the administration wanted, and certainly not what the fans wanted. But, in order to be seven to five, you have to play 12 games. Exactly. And exactly. only one other team in this country can say that right now. And there's 127 other teams. And, you know, I had, I had to do the what, math Texas on that. State, because, Texas State finished, uh, what, two and 10? So they finished a lot worse yeah, than they, seven and five. They, they were two and 10. But yeah, 127 other teams, Old Dominion didn't play. Um, but you ask any of those other fan bases, and I'm sure they would, they would you know, almost do anything to be able to play more games and, and get to 12 games. So it's it's just, yeah, 12 weeks of entertainment, 12 weeks of, of complaining at times, um, but also had, you know, seven wins in there um, and reason to celebrate had seven home games. I mean, that's how many, you big, know, that, yeah. that give credit to the AD for pulling that one off. Cause that's huge. That's big. And yeah, almost, almost pull off going seven and home finish six and one at home. Obviously the, the loss to app state. And we'll talk about that in this episode as well. This episode but, would be like three hours long guys. We it could, it could. Yeah. Buckle up. <laughs> um, so it's, yeah, it, I just can't say enough. And 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 yeah, while while the results might not have been where we wanted, um, it just and it's not really making an excuse. You know, I know we've kind of talked about yes, everyone's dealing with it. We clearly, from from a COVID standpoint, dealt with it better than anyone else, right? And I mean, and obviously, there's things outside of your control. There's only like so much that you can do. So I mean, maybe luck is 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 in there as well a little bit, but 
you know, we obviously we did everything within our control to be able to get these games in. And I think where where luck and and where our our, our good fortune um, kind of comes is is external stuff, right? I mean, we we didn't face like like FAU. Um, like even Ohio State, like uh, Louisiana Tech, which we'll talk about when we preview that. They missed an entire month, an entire month. <laughs> they did not play a game in November. So, you know, uh, like you, you have teams like that, and, and sometimes it's not on the team. It's it's their opponents. You know, they, they keep getting games canceled or postponed on them because of issues with, you know, that outside of their control with their opponent. We've been lucky with that too, right? I mean, I, like I said, we had the two postponements, but they were postponements. We were able to make those games up in the last two weeks. So just overall fantastic effort all the way around um, as you know, much as we've complained at yeah. times this year, uh, I'm thankful for it, you know, and, and I, I had kind of a, a speech at the beginning um, of the season, you know, before we even kicked off when there were still so many unknowns of whether we would even be able to play a season. And I said something of just, just be thankful. You know, if, if we get in three games, be thankful for the three games. If we get in five, be thankful for the five. I don't think it, you just said you couldn't imagine. I couldn't imagine answering my own question. I like if, if, if I had to put money on, on 12 games, there's no way, no. you know, I, it just wasn't realistic, mm-hmm. but somehow we were able to do it. And, and yeah, credit to, to Jared Benko too. I uh, can't say enough about him. <clears throat> and when we had those games, when you had app postpone, boom, UMass, we get that. Yeah. We schedule army, you know, with just a couple weeks to go before the season was kicking off, you know, and, and our, our first meeting up there um, with them and, and being able to take the team up to West Point. Like, yes, that game didn't go our way, but, you know, just just the job of everyone to be able to make that happen, put us in a position um, to, to have some fun, provide entertainment. And, and most of all, like you said, provide an escape from just the, the craziness that has been 2020. Yeah. Amen to that. Um, yeah, I don't, yeah, there's not enough good things that you can say. It's a blessing. It's almost a miracle. I mean, you got to look at, it's not, as you just mentioned, it's not just our team. It's also the opponents too, that they had to maintain their health and, and go through waves. You see, you mentioned app, app went through a pretty hard hit wave, um, which is why yep. they had to cancel our, or not cancel, but postpone our game as well. I think one or two others. Um, so enough can't be said about how well, this team handled this pandemic in this season and hopefully next season we won't have to go through this so the yeah. vaccines will hopefully kick in and work and maybe things can hopefully get back to normal by the time summer practice starts revving up so we hope pa- pack paulson again yes bring back the hashtag yes. right yes um, not, not have to rely on six thousand fans to provide an <laughs> atmosphere against against app state and um so yeah i mean that that's basically uh all I have to say about that and then and we'll move on. But I think it, it, again, you know, didn't want to jinx us, didn't want to bring it up before. And look, I knock on wood here. You know, I understand we still have a game to play um, with, with a bowl game. And obviously we're hoping for the best that we can get that in our 13th game. Um, but uh, yeah, just huge accomplishment with a 12 game regular season. Yep. Couldn't agree more. So and I think it should benefit yeah. us going into the next season too. I mean, it should. I'll, I'm going to spend five, two minutes on this and then we can be done with it. But I think the the really important key part here about these 12 games that we got in is not only the practices that come with it, but this puts us so much ahead of our competition, even against maybe some of the Power 5 schools we have scheduled later on next year in regards to we got extra practices in, we got extra games in, that 
will help us going into next season, help us going into spring ball, help us going into fall and summer camp. So, you know, we get our 12 games in, we get our full allotment of practices, plus a bowl game, plus those extra practices. Some teams we may be playing next year may not have gotten all that in. Correct. Maybe only gotten yeah. four, five, six, seven, eight games in, may only gotten two-thirds of their practices they normally get in the fall. Right. I mean, that, yeah. that, no, that that's it's, a, it's it's a good point. Huge. It's going to be huge going into next season. This was kind of a free year, you know, and I say that, you know, obviously there was a lot to play for. And, and again, we didn't accomplish that winning, you know, getting to the Sunbelt Championship game, winning that game, you know, uh, striving to, to be in Coastal's position of, or, you know, app in the past of, of possibly vying for a New Year's Six Bowl, right? All that was still in play. That didn't work out. But, you know, yeah, get, getting all those reps in, getting some young guys playing time, um, that's that's all invaluable. I mean, it, it just really is. There's, Yeah, I guess there's not really anything else to say about it, but, yeah. I mean, it's – it's. Um, I, I do agree with you that we'll, uh, we'll benefit with that moving forward. Obviously, you have, like, more injuries and all that um, that could happen, and we've had our fair share of that. Um, but, you know, let's hope that everyone gets – back healthy uh you know for for next year and um yeah just just all those reps that we were able to get uh, oh i did want to i wanted to bring up yeah when i say free year obviously um players can come back right i mean you're not losing a year of eligibility um we've touched on that you know throughout um you know the season of episodes that uh so yeah when i say free year you've got people like Dexter Carr Jr. that's already said that he's planning on coming back. You know, so so you've got guys that are getting a quote unquote free year, but they're also getting quality reps. Mm-hmm. And they're 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 making plays and they're getting um, you know, they're playing against competition where yeah, a lot of other schools can't say that. So moving to let's let's do national signing day and then and then we'll get into Recap an app. I don't want to spend too much time on that. Um, and then a little bit of the season as a whole, and then we'll talk about the bowl game. Um, so we're recording this on Wednesday. It's National Signing Day. It's the early, you know, National Signing Day part one um, that they've been doing for a couple of years now, <clears throat> the fall signing day. So that's when the bulk of the players come in. We signed 19 kids uh, today. And, you know, we're not going to sit here and go through the list. Uh, if you're used to listen to us, you know, we don't spend a lot of time on recruiting because Cody and I just don't know that much about it. And, and it's all speculation anyway. And I mean, you can sit there and, and look at rivals and 24 seven and break down the stars and all this. But there are some highlights that I think that, uh, you know, most uh, a lot of people in Eagle Nation are clamoring about. Yeah. And there's some scenarios and, and uh, talking points that we can go through with some of these. So we'll start with the high school recruits. So the two biggest ones um, that <clears throat> are uh, came in today were uh, Derwin Burgess Jr. He's a wide receiver, five uh, eleven, one eighty, from uh, Riverdale, Georgia. Played at Riverdale High School. He was a uh, he, he flipped his commitment from South Carolina. Um, so so that's big. You know, we we flipped a kid from SEC school. Obviously, they just dealt with their own uh, coaching change there. But uh, this is a kid that had offers from Georgia Tech, Tennessee, Florida State, uh, App State, and Cincinnati, among others. Um, he's obviously a little undersized for a wide receiver, um, but he's he's a playmaker, super quick, uh, versatile. Um, you know, reading what Lunsford had to say about him can use him in a lot of different ways. 
So, uh, you know, that's, that's going to be, um, exciting. And we, I got a piece of information from Butler Benton, who is our director of player personnel, um, at Georgia Southern. And he let us know that, uh, that Derwin Burgess is actually the fourth highest talking about ratings. (laughs) And, uh, he's the fourth highest, um, highest rated player all time in Georgia Southern history behind Quinn Williams, Darion Anderson, and James Graham, quarterback from uh, uh, transfer from Georgia Tech, which we'll talk about here in just a second. So, uh, anything kind of to add to uh, to that, Cody? No, I I think this is a great day for all these high school seniors. This is a great day for them to celebrate. This is they have an opportunity to get a education as well as play a sport that they love, and it's a great to me. It's a it's a fantastic it's a fantastic celebration, right? They they put in all fantabulous. this work. <laughs> you fantabulous. Yeah. There you go. Oh, it's a, (laughs) you can tell I've been around a three-year-old and a one-year-old. All right. So, um, it's a great day to celebrate kind of all that they've done to put in all the hard work through school, through high school, through academics as well. As far as the individual player himself, it, it, it never hurts to have speed and speed is always kind of that one thing that you can change the the nature of a ball game right if you have some guy that the defense can't cover because he's just faster than everybody else then they're gonna have to overload or they're gonna have to figure out some way to stop him which may open up other avenues in our offense put him on the outside give him in space and I think that he'll be able to to shine and and showcase his talents and, and be a force here um so I'm really excited to kind of see what the coaching staff has envisioned and what they want to kind of see him grow into and kind of see how that how that occurs over the next two, three seasons. Yeah, I mean, we're seeing in recent years, we're seeing more of these wide receivers. We got Darion Anderson, right? He was a he was a flip from UGA, you know. So we're seeing more wide receiver talent get interested in our program, and it kind of you know shows you maybe our vision of the future of where we mm-hmm. want to go as an offense, right? And yep. it's not to abandon the triple option. So <laughs> don't uh, don't you know have a panic attack if you're well, listening. See, but it's it's just evolving. Yeah, that's the funny thing you mentioned that. And not to get too sidetracked off the signing day thing, but, you know, I think fans right now are kind of like in this, I don't want to say limbo, but they're turning more toward, I don't really care what the offense is as long as it scores points because their defense is really good. Right? If you can get us points on the board, then I don't care how you do it. Just get us over 30, 35 points a game. Let's average that. And pretty sure the defense can handle the rest, and we will probably have – no losses or one losses and win championships and, and, and have rankings and all this other stuff that I think a lot of fans have been saying have have been hoping since the end of the 2014 season. Right. I agree with that. I think, you know, especially your kind of old school Georgia Southern fans, I think adjectives like a balanced offense or pass heavy offense or incorporate more pass, all, all this kind of stuff scares them a little bit, maybe. But like, but yes, I, I do think that it's important. I mean, at the end of the day, scoring points is scoring points. You know, a, a touchdown is a touchdown. It doesn't matter how you get it. So yeah, if you do it um, flex bone, yeah. I don't care. If you do it spread all air attack air raid i don't care it i think the right. fan i think the major a lot of the fan base are now kind of coming to the around to the idea that i don't don't really care what it looks like just is it successful and can we score points when we need to 
also too, I'll say bringing in kids like this, you know, it, it, it gives you more options. Yes. To evolve the offense, but that doesn't mean that you're abandoning anything. Yeah, you know, exactly. Uh, ha- having, having threats like that on the outside and having like a, a fast slot receiver, or having someone like a Caleb hood or, you know, getting your running backs involved in the passing game that, that those are just extra layers, extra wrinkles that you can throw in to keep the defense guessing where then you can give them your bread and butter and pound it down their throat and they're not going to be prepared for it and, and can't stop you because they have so much to prepare for, right? I mean, that's that's what we need to get to. And yeah, it's not going to hurt bringing in um, you know more wide receiver talent, more tight end talent, which we've seen. Um, th- these are all good things. So yeah. um, moving from that, the other big high school recruit, I guess that we need to talk about and it kind of ties in with uh, what I mentioned a minute ago is uh, Cam Ransom. Uh, he's quarterback, 6'2", 220 from uh, Lakeland, Florida, Armwood High School. Your neck of the woods. Yeah, uh, kind of. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's it's down near Tampa. It's actually a high school that I used to cover uh, back in my uh, sports journalism days. So, um, you know, he uh, obviously, you know, was probably playing because uh, I'm an old man now, like Pop Warner football at that time. <laughs> um, you know, uh, but uh, but yeah, it's it's a it's a kind of a legacy program down there in the metro um, Tampa area, Tampa Bay area. It has produced, you know, a, a ton of state championships, region championships, a, a ton of uh, Power Five and FBS talent, and even uh, some NFL talent. So, um, just a really strong program with a lot of history there. And this kid can play. Uh, he has the size, six uh, two, two twenty. One of the larger quarterbacks. I actually had to look it up, Cody. Um, and I, I think he actually came up. Uh, maybe a couple episodes ago or maybe when we were just chatting, but Antonio Hinton, do you remember him from, from the Hatcher days? Mm, yeah. The name sounds familiar, but not. So not, he, he was a, he was, he was a transfer from Ohio state. Oh um, yeah. Never really yeah. got playing time at Ohio state. He came down to play for Chris Hatcher and I mean, obviously everyone, you know, at the time we were yeah, FCS and, and the um, uh, Southern Conference. I mean, that, that was a huge deal to get a, a quarterback. And he was uh, he was six two um, as well. And, and he ended up uh, getting uh, benched and, and uh, <clears throat> uh, lost in the QB competition with Lee Chapel. Remember that name yeah. <laughs> with, with Hatcher. And he ended up starting the next year. So then uh, Antonio Hinton ended up going um, back home to Fort Valley. Georgia and playing for Fort Valley State University. So anyway, that 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 was the name that came to mind when I was thinking about just large Georgia Southern quarterbacks, just with that that big frame, tall frame. Because you know we're obviously used to recruiting kind of your undersized kids, and that's how we've been able to get these premier uh, you know talents in um, you know a Kevin Ellison, a Jason Foster, because maybe they are you know, 10 or 20 pounds lighter or, you know, a couple inches shorter than, you know, your, your guys that are going to your Alabamas and Clemson's and all this. So, uh, but yeah, th- this kid, you know, checks all the boxes when it comes to the measurables, but he can also play. He's got a strong arm. You look at his footage and, um, make some, making some really impressive downfield throws 
and um, also can obviously run. So, you know, he uh, ran for 1,200 yards and 18 touchdowns in his high school career. He threw for 5,059 touchdowns. And, um, yeah, just, just, just really impressed. And we'll talk in a minute. Uh, well, what was you know, his stats how... from his last high school game? Like the, the playoff game that he was, that they just, yeah, won. I think it was a playoff game. It was like in late October. Um, but it was, um, it was like 300 and something yards and five touchdowns and five touchdowns. He threw for five touchdowns. So, I mean, that's, that's just, I mean, that, that's crazy. And, and, and yeah, I mean, you know, we, we just talked about the evolution of the offense and this kid could be the future there. You know, I mean, obviously we have the, um, we can possibly redshirt him. We don't know, you know, what the quarterback room will look like. We'll touch on that in a second here. But, you know, this kid could be the future of our offense. And, you know, he's obviously a capable runner, but he looks to be a solid passer. He has, again, that big frame. Um, and, and yeah, it, it could be that kind of next step in the evolution of our offense to um, take it to the next level. Yeah, and regardless of if it's if he's more passing or running or however the, the offensive scheme will be going in the future, when you try to tackle somebody that large, it's going to hurt. Um, yeah, you know, six two. What you say, two fifteen, two twenty. I mean, that's two twenty. That's big. Yeah. That's almost like a linebacker size. That's what I'm thinking of. You know. Oh um, yeah. That's that's exciting. That I mean, it's it's very that's that's very exciting. He can throw the ball. I mean, I think it's been stated enough. You know, if you have a passer that can that can accurately throw the ball when we want to pass it with our with our offensive style, then it just really confuses the defense and makes them have to play on their heels instead of on their toes. Yeah. Uh, so it's, you know, uh, I from mean, from a recruiting standpoint, a it's recruiting impressive too. It is very impressive. I will say this for the class overall, from what I've kept updated throughout the day, it's a very impressive class. I know 247 hasn't really updated it all that well throughout the day. Um, yeah, we're number seven right now, yeah. last time I checked. But, yeah. but from what I can tell, the coaching staff. And this is all the credit to Lunsford and, and and Cabral, as well as the the football staff behind the scenes with the personnel and the recruiting managers and all them. They had a they seemed like they had a very targeted plan and they hit it and they nailed it out of the park. It seemed like they there wasn't really a whole lot of clamoring around. It wasn't seem like they were really guessing or, or wondering if they're going to get so and so. It seemed like everybody pretty much had their papers in by like one or two o'clock today and it was pretty much done if not or sooner yeah maybe maybe the flip from south carolina yeah uh, I, I, I didn't see if if he was on there you know earlier um if i mean you know obviously kids flip all the time so maybe, yeah. maybe that flip came several weeks ago um but but yeah so maybe that but yeah it seemed like most people were already kind yeah, of cards. it was always kind of like there so that was good to see that even you know that they're able to keep in touch best they can with the rules and the dead period because all that's changed with covid now um, I mean, kudos to them. Kudos to them to kind of get um, the class that they were. I think it's 19 players total. Yep. Um, fantastic. Um, great job for them. Yep. So uh, real quick, wrapping up on Cam Ramsom, uh, talking about just recruiting. I mean, we talked about the kid that flipped from South Carolina. You know, this is a kid in Ransom that had offers from Kentucky and UCF and Virginia Tech, right, and in Boston College, but he decided to come to us. So you know that's that's huge, and that is um, big. that's huge. Yeah. So now going to two big transfers, um, right, and that's kind of the other storyline, I guess, of of this class. 
Um, first, we'll start with Andrew Johnson Jr. He's from Tiff County uh, High School, played at Oregon, um, played uh, some special teams at Oregon. Outside linebacker, 6'2", 230, um, from Tifton. And, uh, yeah, just really excited about him. That that commitment came in, uh, you know, a couple weeks ago, uh, you know, that we started kind of seeing, um, I guess, you know, officially, it became official, official today. But uh, a couple weeks ago, you saw that he was verbally committed. Um, he also was uh, recruiting uh, James Graham, the quarterback transfer from, uh, from Georgia Tech. So, uh, yeah, just, just uh, you know, really excited about what uh, Johnson Jr. can bring to the linebacker core and, and really excited about seeing this linebacker core um, next year. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing else that you can say in regards to this. I mean, you want to add depth, but you want to add high-quality depth, and this young man fits the part. I mean, speed, strength, quickness, he should hopefully be able to step in and provide right there and, and be able to to play right away, provide right away and make an impact on the field. Um, yep. I mean, I, this front seven this past season has already played out of its mind anyways, right? Um, out, I mean, before the App State game, what they were only averaging a little over 100 yards rushing. Um, they sacks and everything else. I, they were top-notch, top front seven probably in, in the Sun Belt. And now you add this young man to it. I know that we're going to lose a couple guys, but still, they they know what they need to add. And I just see that this unit is only going to get stronger. Yep, absolutely. So finally, already mentioned his name several times already, James Graham, quarterback transfer from Georgia Tech. Uh, you know, this is another guy um, that, you know, highly recruited out of high school, four-star hey, hey, prospect. Yep. Th- there was a QB transfer from Tech? There was. There was right. a QB transfer to Tech. <laughs> Uh, so, you know, we, we learned, and I, I didn't really realize this when we, once we started seeing, you know, again, Johnson, uh, get on and, and try to kind of, uh, convince him to come, uh, to Georgia Southern. And, you know, the, the rumor has been there for, you know, a couple weeks now. Um, and I, I know the kid was highly recruited out of high school, but we found out recently now that, you know, he is the highest recruiting. Yes. He's, uh, you know, a transfer, but, um, as far as like, um, rated player, highest rated player ever to come to Georgia Southern in a recruiting class, um, you know, 24 seven, four star quarterback, four star quarterback, uh, 24 seven had him as a prospect, uh, at a eight, nine, five, eight. Um, so almost 90, uh, you know, and, um, he, yeah, he committed to Georgia tech. This is another guy again, was highly recruited, had offers from Georgia, Kentucky, Michigan, Alabama, Florida, Arkansas, um, Oklahoma State. He was uh, committed to Virginia Tech for a while. He decommitted to them to eventually uh, commit and sign with Georgia Tech. Now, the interesting thing there, he was recruited by Paul Johnson. You know, so he he wasn't recruited by Jeff Collins. So you know, obviously they run much different de- uh, offenses, and uh, that certainly kind of came into play. You know, this is a kid that um, started. You know, he has quality. Um, Starting experience started the last eight games of the season uh, last year for Georgia Tech, um, so that's just invaluable experience there uh, playing um, against FBS ACC football. Yeah, ACC competition. You know, he threw a touchdown pass against Clemson. He played Miami. You know, played in these like hostile environments. Um, so that that is just invaluable experience. And uh, and you know, for you know a, a redshirt freshman. Um, at the time, uh, last year, you know, he, he played well, you know, and, uh, 
and just really excited uh, to see what he'll be able to do, um, you know, in this offense and where he kind of fits into this quarterback room. Yeah, I mean, the quarterback room is stacked with talent. I mean, it, it absolutely is stacked with talent. Now, you mentioned the the experience part. I think to me that is the most important part of all of, out, of, out of all of this um, is that he can come in, he has the experience in playing in a collegiate level, uh, at a high collegiate level. Um, you mentioned that he was recruited by Paul Johnson, so it's he he's not you know unfamiliar with you know regards to the triple option or that style of offense or anything along those lines, even though. Paul Johnson was quickly asked or quickly, you know, shortly retired after that. Um, I, I mean, I, I am, I am kind of blown away by how well this recruiting class shaped up. If I'm going to be honest with you, um, particularly with these two transfers that you just mentioned between right. the Oregon transfer and the, and the Georgia tech transfer and being able to secure the quarterback and ransom. Yes, right. I mean, yes. yeah. Cause I, cause I got a little, it's, I was super excited about that when I saw that come in, you know, weeks ago. And then we start hearing the rumors about Graham and it's like, what's going to happen, you know, with, mm-hmm. with the quarterback situations to be able to bring in both of those kids, which I think I'm not I'm not discrediting any of the talent that we currently have on the team or that we'll have next year, but I think both of those kids could potentially start. You know, I I, th- I think they're that good, um, and you know, so it, yeah, it it adds an incredible amount of depth, but it also gives you you know the potential. You know, uh, it's it's going to be a quarterback competition. I mean, it, I, it I think that's clear. I mean, and and that's the one thing that I'm excited about is that they'll bring that competition to the quarterbacks to the linebacker unit and you know, you really get into that iron sharpens iron philosophy and yep. that all they're going to do is they're going to come in here and they're going to make the team better, whether they're the one starting or whether somebody beats them out, right? Because if they beat them out, then my goodness, that player has to be balling out. Yep. Uh, so you know, we, we don't want to get too ahead of ourselves and put so much pressure on these young men because it is, you know, recruiting day, but it needs to be celebrated. And the coaching staff needs to be celebrated because who would have thought not even what 2013 2014 that would be able to pull in these four highly three-star athletes regardless yep. if they're at a high school or they're transferring in from a p5 a lot has got to be said for coach lunsford and the staff that he's put together for recruiting in regards to the players that they're bringing in and the talent level that they're that they're that's coming into this program it, yep, it, it is it has, you've got to tip your hat off to them because they are bringing in some ballers in here and yeah. and and the and Graham from Tech, Ransom from high school in Florida, the wide receiver out of Riverdale, as well as everybody else that they've hired or recruited. The linebacker from Oregon, Line, yeah, and then, yeah, yeah, and, 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 and yeah, just, we, we don't want to. Yeah. You gotta you gotta look at Quinn Williams a couple of years right. ago. That was a surprise. Darion Anderson, Darion Anderson was a huge. Yeah, um, I mean, you look at Birdsong, who was a highly rated yes. uh, cornerback. That what what was it Tennessee that his was. Yeah, I can't remember if it was Tennessee or somebody I think else. It, I think I think it was Tennessee. Yeah. Um, or out uh, something. I don't know. I can't remember. But anyways, they have elevated the level of recruit that comes into Georgia Southern. I agree with that. Yep. And that has to that has to be recognized. Yep. Um, and that's only going to benefit us later on. I think you really already see it happening on the defensive side of the ball. Like I said, this past season, defense outside of the three games, I know that we kind of gave them, you know. So we kind of jumped on a little bit, but after those first three games, when the secondary kind of settled itself down, yes, the rest of the season they played lights out. They did. They I mean, did. you saw you saw the depth come into play, right? Yep. When you when you you know you had the suspensions and you had all the injuries and you had 
you know, Ray Ellis leaving the team and, and, and things like this, where it was that next man up and they'd seem to not really miss a beat, Exactly. you know, and, and, and that, and that's what, that's what we're talking about here. You know, bringing in kids of this quality with this recruiting, you're able to do that. You might not have those household names, but then all of a sudden you, you learn new household names <laughs> because the, the, you know, the backup might be, you know, just, just as good, you know, he, he just needs the reps. Um, so yeah, bringing in more talent, bringing in competition, you know, yeah, it's, it's hard. It's challenging for the, for the players on the field. I mean, you know, it's, uh, in the, in the quarterback room, you know, Justin Tomlin and, um, Sam Kinnerson, you know, are, are obviously, uh, more than capable of, of, you know, uh, starting and, 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 and leading us, but it's, it's, it's going to be tough. It's, it's, it's going to be a competition. And that's what you want to see. And I, I think any competitor, that's what they're going to want. You know, um, obviously it brings up, you know, a, a ton of kind of different scenarios, um, with eligibility and years left and all this kind of stuff, but it's, it's, it's a good, you know, especially from a fan perspective, but obviously from a coach's perspective, it's a good problem to have when you've got that yeah, much talent exactly. back there and have to figure out how to use them. You know, do you shift a guy around with a position change? Do you platoon quarterbacks? You know, the, these are conversations that we're probably going to end up having on this podcast, you know, moving forward into, into next year and, and beyond um, because of how much talent we have in that quarterback room now. Yeah, I com- yeah, I completely agree. Um, but that's the kind of problems that you want to have. You want to be able, well, you have so many good players that who are you going to play? Yep. You know, that that's an issue. And we used to not have that. Let, let's no. be honest. You know, we, we shy words and you know, we, we can spend some time talking about shy words and, and if, uh, either, either in this episode or, um, you know, depending on what happens with the bowl game, because I mean, what, you know, he's meant, you can't say enough about what he's meant to this program yeah, hold on. For, before, for your starter. Yeah. yeah. Before you get going, I'm just, we're just going to break down the recruiting by position. And then we'll get yep. into that. So we got four defensive backs, two wide receivers, which is one of them's Burgess, three offensive linemen, four defensive linemen, three linebackers, the kicker, who we haven't even talked about. That's the yeah. five star kicker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Out of Richmond Hill. And then two quarterbacks. Obviously, those are two studs um, that we've spent time talking about. So again, you could kind of tell, I mean, we've we've highlighted the the trenches with the offensive and defensive line, which is big. I think all three offensive linemen we came in was three-star athletes um i know two of them were maybe one has been unrated but so you have your offensive line you're restacking that defensive line is obviously getting restacked uh same as secondary which i feel like we always bring in a whole bunch of uh, at least four or five defensive backseat recruiting class which 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 in today's football you need um again i think they can't you can obviously tell they went in with a plan they executed it and again kudos to the staff and everybody involved this is excellent yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, I, I was just going to say about shy words and we'll, we'll spend time talking about him either in this episode or like our, our season recap after the bowl game, what he's meant to the program. But yeah, for a long time, we didn't have a lot of depth at that quarterback position. We didn't really know anything about Justin Tomlin right before he had to play against Maine and, and had to play against uh, Minnesota. But and, and and beyond that, we didn't really have anybody. But now you're bringing in Sam Kinnerson. You're, um, you know, getting uh, Graham from Georgia Tech, and you're getting Ransom uh, from the high school in Florida. And all this, like, we've got so much depth now at the position is just really exciting. So, um, and and again, that that applies across the board. I mean, I think you've, like you said, you've seen that on the defensive line, linebacker core, certainly DBs, um, kickers. You know, we've seen that. You know, bringing in um, a lot of competition. So. I'm just really excited about about this recruiting class and just adding 
beefing up everything, you know, across the board. Um, just adding more depth, adding more competition. So, um, let's see. Outside of that, anything else to talk about with recruiting or just like. No, I think I saw an interview with Big Frank. I think Coach Lunsford said that there's five available spots left or five scholarships left. So it'd be interesting to see how that shakes out between now and February. So there's a couple things that play there, right? Obviously, you you have the the spring signing day. We've seen, you know, for the last couple of years since they've done this, that the majority of recruits come in in the fall. But so you could be, you know, waiting to maybe get some high school athletes that have, you know, yet to commit, or maybe we can flip somebody, something like that, that hasn't signed already. You also could be saving it for transfers, like we've seen with, with, with Graham and Johnson. Um, or you could be saving it for some players coming back, right? I mean, because cause that's one thing that, you know, we we it's that kind of free year. Everyone gets that free year of eligibility, but you still have – a limited number of scholarships. So you only yeah, have so many scholarships does, to go around. Is Did they relax the rule on the I honestly don't know. See, that's I honestly what don't I'm know. curious about is yeah. if they, did they relax that rule? Because I think we have like, what, 25 seniors on this, on this team. Correct. This yep. So, you know, I don't think every one of them is going to come back, but you have to imagine that a few of them will. The, the last I heard, I think they did relax it. I don't know how much so. You know, I don't have details there. Yeah. Did they only but, do it for a year? We, like, how does that work? Right. Like, I don't know. And and we brought it up before. This is an interesting point, right? It, just saying that, like, you have, you could say you have unlimited scholarships. Well, that's all well fine. You have to pay. <laughs> you have yeah, to pay for have those to scholarships. Pay for that. Right? So that's coming out of your budget. The NCAA is not paying for that. Some out conference isn't paying for that. Right? So, like, I mean, Alabama, sure. You give Nick Saban and you say, hey, you can have 20 more athletes. They're like, all right, we're bringing back all the seniors. You know, that's it's an easy decision yeah. for, for him or Dabo Sweeney. It's, it's different for Chad Lunsford. You know, we're, we're under budget, you know, budget uh, constraints. So you can't. You know, it, it would be great to have a shy words back to, you know, if depending on what happens with Wesley Kennedy to possibly get him back, J.D. King and, and see how his knee heals and, and you know, if get him back. You know, they, uh, so we would love to have a lot of these seniors back. That's what I'm trying to say. But you still have to weigh all these things of, OK, if, if there's still limitations there, even if you relax it a little bit, you still got to find a way to pay for that. And then, yeah, and then is that only last one year? What happens after that? Are you potentially, you know, shutting out a younger player? You know, are you maybe uh, putting a little bit of pressure on them to where they, they get frustrated and maybe they, uh, you know, enter the transfer portal, you know, stuff like this? There's just so many factors there um, that, you know, I, we brought up before that with us being a senior laden team, I think this is going to be a really interesting storyline because, yeah, you want to bring back a lot of that talent, but you also don't want to shut out your young talent. Right. Um, so, I mean, they're they're coming in. And they're not going to get that extra year, yeah, right? Because this wanna, this was the free year. Yeah, yeah, you don't want to bottleneck everything. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. So so it's, it's yeah it's it's just going to be really interesting to see how that plays out. But I guess moving on to we'll talk about App State for a little bit. Um, People seemed upset by this App State loss. I mean, I was upset, but uh, at, at the same time, you're watching it, and it's. You can't really fault it. I mean, it's you know we're 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 so depleted, and that that's one of the things I know it it doesn't just have to do with it being the last game of the year. I mean, we saw App State, and they'll still point their fans will still point to you know 2018 when we beat them and snapped the streak. 
that you know we knocked Zach Thomas out of the game, you know, in the on the first drive, and that was the reason we won. Blah blah blah. Um, so I'm not here to make excuses of you know all the injuries and and playing with our third slash possibly fourth string quarterback or scout, uh, scout team quarterback or anything like that. And Miller Mosley, um, you know, it's, it, it happens. It's football, but you know, yeah, playing, playing this, this late of the year, as much as it as cool as it was to see us play app state on a Saturday, I don't know if I liked it that much. I don't think I liked the timing. I don't know. In in the year was weird with them. It just was. Um, I could I could see it. I mean, obviously, you know, we we talked about it last week in the preview that this was kind of more for bragging rights. The division was already out of the question for both teams, right? Where usually there's always something really big on the line, whether we're trying to play spoiler and they're going for it, or or we're still on the hunt and you know where are uh, you know or they're going for a New Year Six Bowl like last year and we spoil that. This year it was just kind of bragging rights, but um, I don't know. I mean, I, I I think playing it this late, obviously weather comes into play if you keep it there. Um, and, you know, I don't want to be playing up there in Boone in December, but you just saw how injured the whole team was, how banged up everybody. I mean, App State was too, you know, but it, it just, I don't know. I, 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 I'm fine kind of keeping Georgia State at the end of the year like we've been doing um, and, and, and playing App in October. You know, I, I just uh, yeah. But, if if yeah. you want to talk about the the scheduling aspect of it, yeah, I don't think it stays like this. I think it it, it goes back to being an October midweek game. It's definitely a midweek um, game. No no question about uh, it. Yeah, ESPN loves it. Um, I know that our fans don't like. Or some of our fans don't like it because it limits tailgating and it, um, you know, you, and all this stuff that comes with travel the midweek game. and everything. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So. But to me personally, I like the midweek game. I think I'm. I think I'm the minority in that. All eyes on you. I mean, let, yeah, let's be on, let's yeah. be honest. This was an ESPN three game. No one watched it, it, but but fans of App State and Georgia Southern. Period. Yeah. No one watched it. So I mean, you know, it's it like it's it's just like the the FAU game. No one watched that game. Everyone was watching Coastal and BYU or one of the other games. You know that that was that was on yeah. TV. So so like to to be able to get on TV and we've been spoiled this year, especially early on, um, when a lot of the conferences weren't playing yet, where we got a lot more TV exposure than we're used to, but. Yeah, that's obviously not going to be the case once everything gets back to normal in 2021, hopefully, and, and, and moving forward. So we have to embrace that Wednesday night, Thursday night game against App State where it's an all eyes on us situation and take advantage of it. You know, yeah, um, that. Uh, yeah. So as, as I, I get it from tailgating standpoint, from like a budget standpoint, taking logistics of taking off work, all this kind of stuff. I get it. Um, but it, it is good. It's good for recruiting. It's good for optics, uh, you know, exposure, all this kind of stuff. Um, so, and, and, uh, and to be fair, we just don't have a choice. I mean, we, we, just, no, we really we don't. don't. We don't. Um, so, um, but yeah, I mean, you, you saw, I think you did see the effects of, you know, the season take a toll. We were obviously came in the game already injured. Shy words once again, doesn't dress for the game. Second straight week with that. Justin Tomlin also banged up. You're not sure how healthy he is. He comes in, plays three drives, gets us our first touchdown. Then he's out for the game uh, with an ankle injury. Enter Miller Mosley, which I said, you know, kind of he entered the year. I think he was like our, our third string quarterback. And then maybe at some point, maybe Sam, Sam Kinnerson stepped in there. So he moved down to like fourth or scout team or however you want to look at it. But uh, he comes in. We find out that Sam Kinnerson also is hurt. Uh, you know, so he's dressed, um, but he's, he's hurt. dressed, he's dressed, but he's hurt. 
and that we're probably not going to see him. Miller Mosley has uh, taken, you know, we they, they said on the broadcast the majority of the snaps. Uh, you know, I don't know if that's true, but uh, leading up to the week, um, obviously Tomlin was involved too. He's, he got the start. You know, Mosley comes in. He does, he does an adequate job, I think, for the situation that he was faced with. Um, but, yeah, the, the deck was just stacked against us, the offense, Doug Roos, everybody um, in, in, in that situation. You know, uh, Mosley ended 5 for 14, 122 yards. Uh, he had the two interceptions. He did have that uh, touchdown uh, late in the game, which gave us life um, to uh, Dexter Carter Jr., 78-yard, um, which, you know, was one of the more exciting plays that we've seen, especially passing plays that we've seen this year. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, and, and, you know, and, and he, he ran the ball uh, 13 times, 49 yards. But it was just a tough situation all around. And, you know, App, you know, once again, I think they came out and – they made some adjustments at halftime. I think that much was clear, um, especially on the offensive side of the ball. And they, you know, I think this game ultimately came down to to two big plays. I think you had the uh, kickoff return, um, uh, Jalen Virgil, a hundred yard kickoff return, takes it like midway through uh, the end zone and 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 um, takes it to the house and then you have Nate Noel uh, he broke a, a 70 yard touchdown run um, in the fourth quarter and uh, and yeah the the kickoff return came right after we retook the lead uh, with a 47 yard field goal for Alex Rayner so that's I mean that that's a positive right getting that kid some confidence um, and uh, but yeah and then we just turn around give up the the long kickoff return, and then um, you know a couple drives later, the seventy-yard um, touchdown, which really put us in the hole. We're able to get that touchdown with Dexter Carter Jr., um, but never, never could uh, to claw back. And um, and you can't really expect that with you know your third, fourth-string quarterback in. But uh, once again, one-score game, thirty-four twenty-six was the final. Uh, App State improves to eight and three. Uh, we end the regular season. Uh, seven and five and 500 at four and four and some up play. Yeah. Um, goodness gracious. The, I'm to me, I think you hit the nail on the head that there was two big plays that really turned the momentum of the game and obviously gave up state a two possession lead that, uh, in the fourth quarter, that was just, I think too much to kind of get back into, um, close, gave it a valid effort, but we just, we just couldn't get there. I don't feel bad about this loss per se in regards that I felt like there were terrible coaching decisions or that there was just stagnant offense or stagnant defense or that um, player execution just wasn't there for those who were on the field. I just felt like sometimes you just play a game and you just lose and the other team was just better than you were. And I just think that that Saturday night, um, App State was just happened to be the better team. The breaks went See, their I, way. I, I don't, I don't, I don't agree See, with that. I, I, I think, think the, I think we I were think the, the better the, team. I really well, do. Me, I really. I think. Yeah. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me let me rephrase in the sense that they were the better team. That I mean, they were the team that won the football game. That the breaks went their way. You had the um, what was it? They seemed like they had like a hundred yards of penalties on that one on their first drive, right? But mm-hmm. they kind of just were able to find some way to get a first down. Um, they had the fourth down conversion that I felt like the when he threw like what I felt like was like a like a a moon pass to the tight end that got him another twenty to thirty yards on that. Yep. I just it just you had Tomlin that got hurt. You just 
you know, the Kinnerson was also hurt, so we never really could have him. We were down to Mosley, and bless him, he tried his hardest, um, and he did. I think he 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 gave it all that he could. Um, and the, you know, I just it just was two plays. I just think that some days you just get beat, and it's just nothing more than that. And it's a bitter pill to swallow, especially if it's your your rival. But some days you just get beat. And I just think that you, Saturday you we do. Just, just got, we just got beat. And you know, I'll say this. <sighs> We, we've been high on the, the defense all year, and I think they played well, and they were dealing with some injuries too, right? So you, Yeah, you know, they you, were. They, they Duncan were. Duncan was so out. You lose, you lose Canteen. Um, yep. You know, you lose Canteen. You have Duncan out. Uh, then you lose uh, Spalding, right, who, who gets the pick six, gives us our, our first touchdown. Um, he, he goes out, uh, you know, shortly after that. So, you know, you're, you're down to your um, third-string uh, third DB there, and App State exploited that. And it's, yes, the breaks didn't go our way. We've talked about this kind of all season. Um, but I will say, like, with with the second half, the, you know, outside of those two plays that I mentioned, the 70-yard run and the kickoff return, and, and that goes back to, to special teams and all this, um, just bringing up the uh, – Play-by-play play here, but uh, in the in the second half, um, you have App State. Uh, they receive the ball. They have a ten-play, seventy-two-yard drive. So that's the other thing that I'll kind of point to in this is is you have, um, you know, we we start the game with two three and outs with Justin Tomlin in. Then uh, and we had bad field position because you know uh, some special teams issues of of taking the ball out of the end zone and things like this. So and then that kind of set us up for bad field position those couple uh, first couple of possessions. Um, even though we held um, App State, you know they were able to move the ball a little bit and then and punt and back us up. So finally uh, we get things rolling on that third possession. Justin Tomlin busts a 55 yard run, throws the interception. Uh, then we get the pick six to get the first score of the game. You know, later on we get first offensive touchdown on Justin Tomlin's 14-yard run. He hurts his ankle. Miller Mosley comes in. We have a three and out on his first possession, his first full series. And then he's able to to move the team a little bit. Uh, seven plays, 50 yards. We get an Alex Rayner field goal uh, right before half, 33 yards. Again, give that kid some confidence. Give Miller Mosley some confidence. Defense comes out. App State's able to put together a 10-play, 72-yard drive. That, I think, was – it wasn't a backbreaker at that point, you know, <laughs> uh, the opening drive of the second half, but I think that kind of set a precedent for the rest of the game. I really do. Um, and and that, that was disappointing to me. Again, some key injuries on defense – um, but that combined with those, those two plays that we mentioned, you know, that's something where we have relied on the defense and it's not fair at times to rely on the defense as much as we've had to do, um, because of our offensive struggles this year, we've made that clear. Um, but this is the time that we needed them. And again, it's, it's, un, it's, it's unrealistic, it's unfair, but we needed them to just shut down App State in the second half in order to win that game with our four-string quarterback. Just period. Yeah, I, and yeah, it, it didn't I, happen. I, I I agree with with that statement. That that's what needed to happen. But you're right, it didn't. And I get being upset at the loss. I get I get being upset at the second half performance. I think there's there's not a fan or a coach or a player that would say that they're happy with what happened in that second half of that game. Um, but I think it's 
and this is what I the, the vibe that I was getting, I guess, from from online and just kind of in general from from fans is that just because the the second half didn't go our way and the in the game didn't go our way doesn't equate to that we need to fire everybody or that we need to get rid of a coach or we need to get rid of this person or no, that no, person no. or whatever or or ex you know whatever the the um overreaction is to this loss um i just no coach and no player ever is ever going to want to use the injury as an excuse but looking at it from a 30,000 foot ceiling we had a lot of injuries on both sides of the ball at we key did. positions that highly affected this game. It did. And, no, it and 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 you have to acknowledge that. And that's nothing the coaches can do. It's nothing really that, that's that's in regards to that's on fault of any of the players or the coaches. It just is what it is. Yeah. And that's not, you know, it's those uncontrollables that you just have to work through and you know, that's what I'm saying. I'm who who was the better team in regards to the players actually on the field? Obviously App State was because they beat us. Right. I mean, they outscore, at, you know. They, I mean, out, they outscored us. At, I mean, if you're going to look at it in terms of who won, who lost is the better team, App State won the game, so therefore they're the better team. You know, we hold them to seven points in the first half. They scored 27 we, in the second. Yep, you that, know, so, yep. like, that's, that's you know, and, and they, they had the same kind of team. I, yes, we had some injuries on defense, but I don't know. I mean, I, I, I think. I will I, say this, though. If if their fourth string is out there with our fourth string or third string or however you want to say it, I'm pretty sure we win the football game. Like I said, probably. It just, it, the, yeah. the, the breaks just didn't go our way. You it mean like quarterback? Like if they're yeah, like yeah, back quarterback. Quarterback. Yeah, 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 yeah. I agree, and, and I, I think we'll we'll talk about that with Louisiana Tech because we're gonna see we're basically gonna see <laughs> yeah. that that scenario play out, right? Of, yep. of who's who has the better backup quarterback. Um, and and yeah, I, I agree. I, I think you saw that in 2018 when Zach Thomas comes in, and I don't know too much about their their backup situation now, but but yeah, I think I think we kind of had some momentum. We were moving the ball a little bit. They were able to make some adjustments, exploit you know, a, a few things, take advantage of some of those injuries. And that, that was the difference in the game. Um, yeah. but, but yeah, I, I, I think if they were dealt a similar hand, um, I, I think we, we pull it off. I mean, heck we almost did. Yeah. I mean, did. we did. I mean, honestly, we, we, he couldn't, he, you couldn't ask any more than to have a chance with the final drive at the end of the game to, right. to tie it up, to send in the overtime. Yeah. And, and you know what? It just, do the interception and the game was over. I understand the the dislike and for App State, especially the shenanigans that they pulled pre-game and post-game, which was just unclassy and unculture and all that. Yeah. Yes, they're just absolutely. It's just you have rivals and you have rivalries, and and there's supposed to be this quote-unquote level of respect for both programs. But after those shenanigans and that garbage, I really have no respect for that program after that. I really don't. I not mean, not we, that the coaches are uh, going to uh, not that the coaches are going to allow them to go in there and act like they're playing our or, flag. Or whatever. We planted our who, flag. We planted our flag. So uh, yeah, a flag, Matt, but then you I come understand. out there with a plunger and no, then I know. you want to come out there it's different. and it is different. And show and then act like you're praying the, pra- the praying thing is uncalled. While, while we're the pra- while the- we're coming out of the of the tunnel 
and and making a, a joke at a I guess the Irk Russell statue that's down there or whatever. No, yeah, it's, it's I didn't. It's it's ludicrous. I heard rumors. I heard ridiculous. rumors about that. I didn't see it. I didn't see any evidence of that. I saw evidence of of the plunger thing. I saw evidence of us with a flag last year. I'm um, in midfield. But yeah, the, the 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 praying stuff, all that. It's all just uh, what I've if they read. Want, if they if they on, want on social they media, but a, it sounds completely uncalled for. Absolutely. Yeah, if they if they did a App State flag in response to our George Lumpy, okay, I understand that. But a plunger and all that garbage no it's absolutely uncalled for and just ridiculous and you know it just makes me hope the that pl- next the, year the, the plunger doesn't bother the, honestly the plunger doesn't bother no it does. it does it does it does because no, it's to me it absolute doesn't. no it does that's that's totally disrespectful it's it's it, and, and and planting coach, a flag is disrespectful cutting i mean it's it's it, it is it's it's just to the level of a plunger get out of yeah. here no it's not no, yeah, it's a plunger. They didn't take, you know, they didn't poop on the field. You know, I mean, it's, it's, it's they might as well have. They might as well. Same, I mean, it's you, the same. You've heard about rivals doing that. You've no, heard about destroying the hedges at Georgia or peeing in the I bushes. I hope Lunsford and, and whoever, the, whether it's Ruse or whoever the offense court, I hope we put a hundred on them up in Boone next year and absolutely make them wish they never got out that stupid plunger. That pit, that makes me mad as all get out. I'm it makes me right mad, now, but I can also kind of laugh and I, and at and it. I because, hope that the coaching staff and the players remember it because I'm telling you right oh, now. Oh, yeah. Put, I want it's 100. Board, it's bulletin board material. I as I want all those players to As mad to as it makes me, as embarrassing, as, embarrassing as it is. That's what I want. I can laugh at it from a standpoint of a college football rivalry. The stuff with the prayer or disrespecting a statue or anything like that, that is completely uncalled for. So, the the yeah, the plunger thing just – I, I don't know. It – it doesn't bother no, me. It, it just doesn't bother. It's, it's completely disrespectful and disrespectful to put plant your your flag in the middle of the field it, too, no, or stomp that, on a logo level, or all this no, stuff. No, that's not to the You're level. You're just arguing of semantics a, at this point. Cody. No, I'm not arguing semantics. Mm-hmm. There's there's a degree to which you can do it. Flags are fine. Plungers plungers and, and is crossing it. the line. Yes, it is. It's other totally crossing the line. <laughs> what are other it examples is. of crossing the line? What, are, there, are there any are there any other household uh, household toiletries <laughs> that they could have pulled out that that wouldn't have crossed the line? Oh, I don't know. Um, no, TP no, the field. I, um, yeah, no, yeah, they brought toilet. Yeah, if they had done that, yeah. So, but no, no, I hope I hope they our team takes it and and remembers it, and then when we go up there in Boone, I hope we put um, at least seventy on them. And I don't want I don't want the coaching staff to stop. I hope if, if we get up to that point, I hope that we keep scoring touchdowns. Run, run it up. I mean, run I, it up. I want us to score thir- uh, seventy on them every time. So I mean, you know, but but I, again, again, no, I mean, we'll I we'll would, we'll get off I this. We obviously don't all. agree on it. It's great bulletin board material. I hundred percent agree with you from the standpoint of you use that fuel for the fire type deal, but. That part didn't really bother me. Um, the other stuff, you know, again, don't know all the details about like the prayer thing and and statue. That that stuff is when it's completely uncalled for. You know, when you're poisoning trees at Auburn and when you're you know killing alligators at Florida and like all all this kind of stuff. Like yeah. once you get to that level, that's when it's crossing the line. No, the plunger is just kind of like and, okay. And if they if they legit had a a prayer routine before the game, they could have waited till our players got out of the tunnel to get to our side of the game and then go down there and do it yes. or wherever. But to do it while some of the players are still coming out and that or disrespect a statue in, or into, anything like pretty that much is, yeah. egg it on and into, and I will say this though, it wasn't, it was an effort to get inside our heads and to kind of get um, the mental aspect of it. Right. And they succeeded in that, as, in, in, in that regards, because we did retaliate, which I think is just called for, 
Um, and you know, it almost, you're talking about pregame or you're talking about, after? yeah, pregame, yeah. pregame, pregame. Yeah. Um, and I think it showed I mean, we came out, we jumped on them 17, seven. We just couldn't get it going after uh, halftime. But again, it, you don't ever see our players doing that. Do you, you don't, you don't see our players jumping in and, and causing ruckus and, and starting to start fights between our opponents. It's always the other team that starts it. App starts it. South Alabama started it yeah. earlier this season. Georgia State started it last year. Right. Um. So kudos to Coach Lunsford and staff and the players to always maintaining a level head and 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 being men and gentlemen out you there. You don't want to instigate any of the stuff. That, no, that is no. important. They they, they hold and themselves retaliation. You want you can't say that about App State. Cor- yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. Um, you know, sometimes we do take the bait. Uh, you know, a little bit more than maybe we should, but for the most part, we are disciplined enough, uh, you know, to, um, yeah, I know that's obviously a part a of our, our, mon- just, uh, our mantra, it's a but testament to Lunsford and yeah. company as far as how they recruit and who they recruit and then how they expect yeah, the, G- to the GS and so, man and the discipline yep. and tough. Yeah. Right. Blue collar discipline tough. I mean, it's, you know, it's in there. So, um, yeah, just it, beat them by a hundred next year. That's I, all hey, I look, I, I don't, yeah, I, I don't need a plunger to <laughs> make me want, want to see that happen. But yeah. Um, so I guess moving past that game, um, and we'll get to the bowl game here in a second with season as a whole, again, seven to five, any kind of thoughts recap on that? Um, just to kind of put that to bed. I'm sure we'll have an episode, obviously, after the bowl game where we can kind of like recap yeah, the whole season. We'll, yeah, so we we'll won't spend too much season. time. I think what I want to really highlight is some of the reactions from fans either that night or the next day. Um, I know that I think Captain Clack put a tweet out there in regards to losses over a two-year period. And I don't know if it was to try to um, – go after Lunsford or what the the deal was, but it showed that I think between last season and this season, it's right now it's at 11 losses, right? Six losses last year, five losses this year, which is, um, if you look at the history of the program, it's pretty substantial uh, high. I think Summers had more. Um, I don't know. I think there was a couple of coaches that may have had just as much over a two-year period. Obviously, some coaches didn't have a two-year period like Van Gorder, but was up there pretty close. I think he had like eight. Um and it was kind of to insinuate that once when you, you saw who got fired after those two seasons or that one season, if there mm-hmm. was bad. I think you have to keep every season and every coach in perspective, and, and especially when you're just looking at losses as a whole, right? Because I could we could start to really pick this apart in regards to that. If you look at the 11 losses, two of them came against national champions, yep. LSU and Clemson. Um, you had uh, Coastal and Louisiana, who are both top 20 teams as of right now. Yep. Um, with those losses so that's so you're talking about four losses right there out of the 11 that are against top 20 opponents oh also minnesota from the previous year yep. so that's five losses that are top 20 opponents that that we have had to go up against so you, you i just want to say, say app state you included app state with the two times well we beat app state yeah oh um, right. well, yeah we were talking about losses. i'm sorry go yeah ahead, go talk ahead, about go losses yeah, yeah, and now and now this loss that we had again they were unranked but yeah you're talking about uh, that's a well above 500 team that we w- went against so I understand maybe the frustration, but I think you have to keep that in context that probably we're having the the two toughest schedules that we've probably ever had the last two seasons that this program has faced. Yeah, um, I agree with that. 2018 was that, favorable where, where it 19 was. and we 20 had, was tough. I mean, we got the seven home games this year. You're dealing with COVID, all this kind of stuff. We were 6-1 yeah, at home. Last year, right. No, I, I know, I know. But I, last year, 
the I mean it, it was it was tough. Last year's schedule was incredibly tough. It was yeah. tough. It was it was really tough. You had LSU, Minnesota, um, Louisiana um, was tough on the road. Um, and this is not to make excuses, but I think this is just to put things in perspective. So I understand that App State's loss this past weekend was tough and that it's nothing that we would ever want to see, right? We never want to lose the app. But let's kind of keep everything in perspective in regards to who the opponents are. Yes, as, as we've lost 11 games in the past two seasons we have, but we've played probably the, like I said, the toughest schedule that we've ever had in, in Georgia Southern history is the last two seasons. And played more games again. And played more games, yes. So, you know, I think Lunsford and company has done a fantastic job. Um, I know that we're not happy with the offense um, production this season. I think everybody had higher expectations for it. You and I both did, Matt, coming yeah, into this season. That's that's not anything new. Um, and you see Lunsford making the change. You see him making the adjustment. Unfortunately, that means – Coach the best had to go. We hated to see that, but that's the decision that he made. And now we'll see what Lunsford does going forward, Who, whether it's Drews or somebody else. But you look at defense, I think defense is fine. Yep. Yes, I know that there's been issues with special teams with field goals and the kickoffs, but you got to remember these are freshman kickers. These aren't redshirt freshmen, I don't think. I think they're both freshman kickers. Right. And we're bringing uh, in. We're bringing in two guys, two actually. Yeah. Yeah, preferred walk on and yep. one that we signed to a scholarship, um, who was like the number like seventeenth ranked kicker or something like that. Uh, yeah. Anyways, twelfth I think in the country or yeah. Oh yeah, something crazy. So, um, again, these kickers, these special teams, you didn't have time to work on them in spring practice and fall camp really like you typically do to get things ironed out. And when you're going from your week-to-week prep, you don't really have time to even really work on that as well as much as you should or what you want to when you find issues with it. So let's not – I don't want to say let's not – let's give them a free pass, but I don't think we need to be as hard on the coaching staff as we have been being or have seen online from fans. I think – I still think that we're in pretty – really good hands with Lunsford and company. Let him have the time to kind of do what he does. He's still a young coach. He's still going to have to make his mistakes, and he's still going to have to learn it and, and, and grow into position as everybody else does. Mm-hmm. But you, I think you would, especially with the recruiting aspect coming up, we'll see who he pulls out or, or who he gets as the OC, and you know we'll go for it. But I think I'm, I'm feeling really hopeful going into the next season. I don't know why. But I feel really hopeful going into the next season. I am too. No, I am too. And I, uh, yeah, don't, I don't, I mean, I, I don't think you and I are far off on, on this, right? I mean, I, I, I don't, uh, yes, we've, we've seen a lot of clamoring and stuff. I, again, no one's happy with a seven and five record, but I like where we're trending. I think the potential is there and I'm, I'm good with Lunsford leading us there. And, and again, I think the biggest thing this year was addressing the offensive woes and, and something needed to be done with that, whether or not all the blame should have been put on the best, uh, you know, I don't know, but, but someone kind of had, you know, uh, uh, even Danny Reed said it on, I was listening to the, to, to their podcast and, um, you know, you have to have a scapegoat there. And obviously the offensive coordinator, when you're having offensive troubles, that's going to be your scapegoat <laughs> nine times out of 10. So, you yeah. know, it's, we don't, we're not behind closed doors. We don't know everything going on there. There could be some issues, you know, 
within that unit, you know, with, with position coaches and things like that. And, and those changes could be coming too. We could see, you know, uh, the best might not be the only change that we see, um, you know, this year. So, uh, you know, after the bowl game, we might see maybe some, well, that's some... what Lunsford, well, he didn't say that perci- yeah. specifically, but he, when, when question after the app game, he made that, that we have to reevaluate everything, including yep. himself, himself, coaching staff, everything. So, yeah. I, I am quite curious as to see how what reevaluations go on if there's any more changes, um, and I you know and, and like I said I'm hopeful I, I I really am I really am hopeful in regards to the 2021 season. I am too. No, I I really am too, and and I think I think seeing the few things that we've seen with that change, um, you know, with this recruiting class with the players that we know that are coming back, um, you know, with that continuity, everything, I, I, I think there's a lot to be hopeful for, um, you know, and I guess, you know, this, this was a weird year. It was just a weird year all around, you know, for everybody. Yeah, and again, there was a lot while, while we played, you know, more games. Yeah. You, you're playing more games. You have more chances to win. You have more chances to lose. Um, but, at the same time, yeah, there was stuff that we were playing for that we didn't accomplish. You know, we didn't accomplish our goals. Lunsford and his staff will tell you that. Um, didn't make the Sun Belt Championship. Didn't win it. Um, that's where we want to be. I did say at the beginning of the year that I, I kind of saw it. If we got a season off, that it was kind of um, Sun Belt Championship or at least you know East Division or, or, or bust. And yeah. we didn't accomplish yeah, that. that. Was, now, now me yeah. saying that doesn't mean that that means that everyone's fired if it doesn't happen. But I think that should be the mindset of the year. is <laughs> division title and, and a chance to win the championship or bust. I mean, period. Um, and, it should be, and, especially with what we have and what we have coming in. Yes. I mean, think about it. I mean, gosh, we probably have the maybe the highest-rated quarterback in the conference with Graham now. Mm-hmm. You have um, really top-end, top-high-end receivers with Burgess, and you have Smith um, that's – Obviously, a young—he was a three-star athlete when he was recruited a year or two ago. Uh, you have Caleb Hood, who's a stud. Jalen White with another year, and yeah, yeah. I mean, Logan Wright, that, Logan Wright coming is, back. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, offense, and you have young offensive linemen that should be coming into their mode that should be hitting the tight the ends. That, yep. yep. Oh, we haven't even talked about Bo Johnson. Hancock. Yep. I mean, um. I really hope to see Bo Johnson back healthy because I think he, he was, just, he looked, he, he looked was, he like did. a stud. He did. And he would be in a, and he's a great offensive weapon that we didn't have, you know, that yep. we, that we haven't had. Um, you look at defense. And I just think that, that I was really impressed with coach Sloan and his ability to not only correct the issues in the secondary, but also to ensure that they didn't get so down on themselves that they just gave up out of the season because they really looked after the second or third game that I didn't know if we were going to get those issues corrected. And they did. And kudos to him and the staff and the front seven, Cabral, and all the linebackers, coaches, Cunningham, Raul, or uh, gosh, his name is slipping me uh, my mind. But they did an excellent job getting pressure, stopping the run. I mean – and they just keep on stacking the, the players there. I, I'm really excited about what's coming in the future. Now, can they just all put it together right. for one season? That's the thing and with it. Continue yeah. to it. That's the difficulty. That's, that's the, the all three part. phases. Everyone clicking. That's the big thing. Yeah, on defense, yeah. it seems yeah. like we're going in these waves of of we knew you know defensive backs were going to be you know not an issue, but it was going to be you know the the biggest learning curve of the year. We knew the front seven was going to be stacked. We were losing 
you know, some key players there, obviously. Um, you know, and, and we got some young players. We, we do, up, but yeah, you got your Rashard Birds, you got, um, you know, you got your uh, what is CJ Wright is he? He is senior. Um, no, I think we got one more year. He's got one him. more year of him. Ray, Raymond yeah. Johnson. Um, you know, so you're losing that, but then you've got guys like uh, Canteen coming back, right? So we're going to these, these kind of like shifts where it's like, all right, we've got the stellar defensive backs. We're breaking in the defensive line, linebacker core is great. Now we're breaking in a new linebacker core. This, you know, so but 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 I, that's at all teams. It to is. Extent, it is. Right? It I is. mean, you have these ebb and flows, and you kind of have positions. You know, experience. You know, young. Uh, the other thing that we got to touch on too is special teams. I think special teams. Yeah, I think we have Beck for one more year. Obviously, you're going to have a great kicking competition coming up in in the winter, in the spring, in the summer, um, to see who kind of grabs a hold of that spot. Um, like I said, I know people are down about special teams, but you have to consider they didn't have spring to work out with them. They really didn't have summer to really work out with them. You had the young man who had the foot injury who came back, what, the week of the Campbell game, I think is what they, they said on, on either the podcast or the radio show. Yep. Guys, this a, a lot of the stuff that, that you saw as issues are usually taken care of in the spring and or summer or early fall camp to where they're kind of wrapped up by the time the fall get, by the games. Get I here. think, I think where a lot of the frustration is coming from Cody, uh, you know, not to like speak for the fan, but I like, know, but, but I'm just trying to, to I get it. the hope is there. The hope is always kind of there. Little, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, we don't want to turn into a, a Georgia, right. Where we're just every, well, next year's the year. We don't want, you know, I, no, you see no, that. No, oh, well, no. if they had, they got, you know, JT Daniels. And like, if, if, if he was ready to go, you know, earlier in the year, then, you know, they'd be in the college football playoff, but next year, the next year's the year, you know, we don't ever, want to be kind of in that mindset of we're we're one two three steps away one two three plays away or players away or, or not having an injury here or there away from doing this we just got to do it and 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 but i that said i agree with pretty much everything you just said um but i i, I do think that's where a lot of this frustration is coming from um because we have been spoiled as a fan base we've had a lot of success and these things happen, but you know, at some point, you know, it's it's got to kick into the, the next gear, and we've got to like get over these hurdles and 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 not have. I don't want to call them excuses, but like these things are gonna you're gonna have injuries all uh, every year. You're gonna have you know uh, maybe some depth issues or or, or whatever, um, and you're gonna have tough schedules. But we got to get over those hurdles, and we've got to accomplish yeah. our goals and, of winning and championships. To put it, I, th- I saw some some tweet earlier this week before the app game um, or last week before the app game. And they were listing like um, top head coaches now in their third year. And they had coach Lunchford at number five. I mean, he had like a 26 and 10 record at this point um, through his first, you know, three years. And, you know, I think when we kind of step back from it and kind of like put some distance between the emotions and, and the actual stats and the facts that we see, Lunchford's done a really good job. I think if you, I mean, I don't think we quite remember how bad we were in 2017. And for him to take over midway through that season and to get us to where we were in the conversation to win, to get to the championship game, conference championship game, the very next season was, was pretty remarkable just in that sense alone. And that he's kept us in that conversation the last two seasons, even though they haven't gone the way that we hoped. Yep. And you just gotta you gotta look at the trajectory of it. I know that the conference record is going down six and two, five and three, four and four. But again, you, you have to look at it 
not through a, a hindsight 2020 type deal or, or a, a just at a numbers perspective, but you got to look at who you played that season, what the competition level was and kind of adjust it from there. Um, I think, I think, I think he's doing, he's, he's doing fine folks. And I think he has, I think he has a plan in place. I think he knows where he wants us to be at. I think he knows how to get there. It's just, can we execute it? Can we execute it? Yeah, that's it. That, I mean, that, and, that, yeah. and that's it. That's it. And 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 yeah, the potential is there, and excited to see how it plays out. And uh, and yeah, I mean, time time will tell. I mean, that that's all. That's all I can really say on that. But um, I guess moving from that, and again, we'll we'll probably cover some of this stuff in the in the next episode, and as we recap the the bowl game. Um, just kind of uh, you know tie that into things too, and and, oh, and look look thing. at the three year bowl as a whole. games and three, three, three bowl games, yeah, three three bowl games, three seasons, three first games, first time, games. yeah, first time we've we've done, uh, yeah, done done three in a row. Um, so and, and did, I think yeah, for, uh, we didn't even have back wins, to back before, right? So yeah, yeah, it was seven or more wins for the first time I think since 2013 through 2015. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, it's. Man, I think I think we're in good hands. The building blocks are there. It's just getting that next level. It's just getting yep. that turn, turning that page, getting that next step, getting over those road humps. Um, I think that we have the players, the staff, and everything to to get us and the administration to to help us get there. I mean, I, I do with 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 the current setup. So, uh, with that, let's move to the bowl game. Um, we, uh, like I said, uh, this, uh, hour and 20 in and we're just hour 20 in. in. <laughs> so, um, this gives Thanks you for hanging in there. Yeah. Folks. All right. <laughs> gives you a whole, like, uh, well, I mean, you know, we got several extra days, you know, obviously not playing this weekend. So depending on when you listen to this, you can break it up and, uh, and, uh, yeah, that's true. If you're, if you're driving to new Orleans, you, this is, this will be a good way to kill a, a, a hour or two. There you go. And, um, yeah, I, I don't know if I would want to listen to me and Cody for, for, for two straight hours, but you know, what you talking whatever, about? Right. Um, so Arnell carriers, new Orleans bowl. This is an interesting one, right? So December 23rd, it's usually played on the first weekend of bowls. Obviously everything got shook up this year because of COVID, uh, you know, you're, you're seeing games played so late in the year, so late in December, um, championship weekend, right. Is uh, is the weekend before Christmas. Um, it's, 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 it's crazy. So, um, you know, now it's a Wednesday night. It's a ESPN bowl has always been a ESPN bowl. Used to be kind of the premier bowl game of the Sunbelt conference. Obviously we had a little shift there where it's no longer, you know, used to go to the champion. Um, now they no longer, uh, get first pick, uh, that actually goes to the cure bowl now. Um, and then there's like a, a kind of a weird pecking order and stuff after that. So this is a bowl that, uh, you know, me personally, uh, have been excited about since we joined the Sun Belt. you know, because again, it, it was kind of seen as that premier bowl game. We finally got it. It's not going to be the same <laughs> as, as it's been in the past. And, you know, it is what it is. Um, that, that is 2020, you know, obviously the, uh, situation in new Orleans with, um, COVID cases and all this, they're super strict down there. Um, they eased up a little bit, but now they're, they're even more strict. Um, you know, so hopefully the game happens and we can do it and do it safely, all this, uh, but 3000 fans, uh, you know, that's what they're allowing now for saints games played in the Superdome. Um, so that's what they're going to allow for this, uh, thousand tickets, I believe for our side. 
and uh, yeah, no tailgating and they're super strict on all this guy. So obviously, you know, the bars are shut down there. Restaurants are 50% capacity. It's going to be a much, much different experience um, for this. So from a fan perspective, which that's a big part of the bowls, right? It's, it's for the players, get them to go someplace different. And you have the pageantry and normally it's a whole week thing and all these events that's, that's been canceled pretty much nationwide, right? With most of these bowl games. Um, yeah, it's just going to be different. New Orleans is awesome. I love New Orleans. Um, you know, I went there for the first time last year. We ended up uh, having an extended stay there because a hurricane was barreling in on Florida. Um, so our flights got canceled and the airports were closed and the hurricane ended up missing us. Uh, but we ended up staying four extra days in New Orleans, right? Uh, so not not a bad place to be. Um, but it's, it's a great town, a lot of fun. Hopefully we can go back there in the future. It's going to be very different this year. But for the thousand or so of our fans that are able to make it, um, you know, hopefully they're in store for a good game. And, and that's going to be against Conference USA opponent. Um, you know, it's usually against the uh, like second place or champion of Conference USA. Um, now we're facing Louisiana Tech, uh, who it finished um, five and four overall. Just playing nine games and third in their division, Conference USA West. Um, so, not maybe the the same kind of matchup that this bowl is used to in the past couple of years. Um, but you know, for us, I think it should be a pretty good matchup. It is a good opportunity uh, to possibly get our eighth win of the season and and build that momentum going into 2021 Cody. Yeah, I you hope, right? Um but we said that we said earlier, that last year too. <laughs> we said that last year. Yeah, we we felt pretty confident going up against Liberty and and they they showed up with a defense that hadn't really been there all season long. Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest with you, do I do I hope that we win this ball game? Of course. My expectations are is that I really just want us to have healthy, just be healthy get the reps, get the game in if if we and be competitive, right? Um we're gonna have probably Mosley's gonna be our quarterback, yeah. right? All the tea leaves, all the little, you know, smoke signals coming out. This is that's what it's gonna be. We still got Logan Wright. We still have Caleb Hood. We still got Smith. We still got Anderson. Uh we still got White. We still got Joe Green. We still have some some weapons at offense that we can use. Uh you have a whole week of Mosley getting the majority, if not all the reps to go forward with this. So I want to see kind of what improvement they have. And then obviously you have uh, defense. I think, um, you know, the Louisiana Tech has their backup quarterback that's going to be playing yes. against us, right? Yep. yep. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see kind of how how we kind of really match up and, and, and really which better backup quarterback plays. Right, ba- battle of the backup. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. with, you know, I, I guess before we get into that, I, I do think it will be Mosley. I think, you know, giving him a full, obviously, you know, yeah, he, he got some reps before app, um, you know, apparently the majority of the reps, but Tomlin still gets the start. He plays three series before going out. Um, so, you know, Mosley is probably thinking like, maybe I get in, but probably not. Um, now he's got time to prepare. So basically the way I feel about that, like if, if the coaching staff knows that he's the guy, like, Make him the guy, uh, you know, give him the reps, um, all with the first team, all this. And I think you will see a different player. Not that he played, you know, necessarily bad, uh, you know, uh, against App, but, I mean, it was just a tough situation. So I think if, if you go in, I mean, this yeah. is a kid that, you know, got 
some starts and a, a lot of quality playing time at Wofford. Um, played in a similar offense. You know, I, I was kind of thinking, you know, thinking back to the old Southern Conference days of Wofford of, of under center, but you go and watch his film um, at, at Wofford and, and he took snaps um, in uh, pistol and shotgun. You know, so, so they actually run a lot of the same kind of looks that we do. Um, you know, <clears throat> obviously, I'm sure there's differences there and blocking schemes and all this. But, uh, you know, he's he's capable of running this offense is what I'm getting at. And and he's he's an athlete. He's, um, you know, maybe not not as quick as, as Tomlin or Wirtz, um, but, you know, he he can still he can still run. And he's uh, you know, I think he was a high school uh, track runner and, and ran like a, a 10, six and the hundred yard dash. Right. Um, and good field vision and, and this kind of thing. He's got a pretty good arm and we saw that put on display. Yeah. He threw the two picks and um, you know, that that's going to happen. But uh, you know, I think uh, we saw some good things, um, you know, saw some positives, both him running the ball and throwing against app. And I think with time, with a week and a half of practice, um, I think Miller Mosley can lead us to a victory. I, I, I 100% have confidence in him that he can. And, you know, but I am interested. I wanted to bring this up, Cody. I mean, I don't know the extent of, of Tomlin's injury. It seemed like he rolled his ankle, you know, pretty bad. Um, I haven't heard anything about that. Like you said, all signs kind of point to Mosley starting. This is the second straight week that Shy Words has, has been out. He's played, you know, hurt before with a shoulder. Do you think he's dressed for this game? And, and depending on what happens with the quarterback uh, situation and how uh, Mosley plays, do you think we see Shy Words at all in this game? I don't. Not for his long-term health, even if this happened to be his last season. Um, you don't want to – would you love to see him out there? Obviously you would. Would you love to see him just go and have that one more drive and that one more victory and one more game, of course. But you don't, you don't want a Dan want Ellington to, situation, right? No, correct. And you don't want to have it to where five, ten years from now he still has serious issues with the shoulder right. or arm because of, of because you let him go out there and play in a bowl game. You know, the, the health of the young man comes first and foremost, and you have to, have to think of in terms of his long-term health. Yeah. And you don't want to damage that, and you don't want it to be to where it's something that's debilitating. Right. Five, ten, fifteen. Yeah. One years down one game isn't worth not being it's, able it's to not to it. pick his grandkids up one day or something, Correct. right? Give him or a piggyback ride or his kids. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I I agree with that. It's just it 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 hurts to be honest with you. I mean, like it does. And, and we'll, it does. It, yeah. it doesn't seem fair. Like it doesn't seem fair. His whole career, you just felt like the the young man had to face one uphill battle after the other yeah. whether it was his grandmother's house burning down or whether it was the unnecessary police arrest and and the all that legal mess that he had to go right. through that um if it was and now the the shoulder injuries that that he's had to go through this year you know you just always it always seemed like once when he thought he was healthy and, and everything was going something else would come up and you know kudos to him because m- to me, mental strength wise, he probably has to be the toughest guy on the football team. Oh yeah, in terms of 100%, mental strength. Yeah, I mean, and and you could tell that he's a he's a leader through and through, no doubt about if it. If he had his choice, um, he'd be out there. He would have been out there oh, against yeah, FAU, sure. against App, and in the bowl game, hundred percent. If if he had his choice, he would have done it. But again. You're, you know, talking about the coaching staff and stuff. You have to make the best decisions, not just for the football team, but for that young man. And and for yeah. that young man, longevity-wise, yeah, you don't want to see 
you know, what, what uh, Sean Elliott did at, at Georgia State with, with Dane Ellington and who I'm, who's also a warrior who wanted to be out there, I'm sure. Um, but, you know, he's a, like a shell of himself, uh, you know, out there with, with his, you know, it was his, yeah, his leg. Exactly. And, and that, yeah, and you just don't want to see, yeah, you, you don't want to see that. So the optimistic side of me, you know, again, we don't know the extent of the injury. Um, you know, this would have been, what, three and a half weeks, right? Um, so if it's something that could possibly heal and with rest and taking all the precautions and, and all this and treatments and stuff, you know, maybe he does have enough to, to, to maybe, you know, dress and play. I don't know. You know, that's up to the coaches and that's up to uh, the medical staff uh, to decide. But uh, it would it would be great. It'd be fun to see it. But, you know, chances are we're probably not. Because the way I see it, I'm not discrediting this bowl game, but if you were, and, and you brought it up, Cody, you know, against against FAU, you know, we're probably not going to see him play much against FAU. I thought that he'd at least be dressed for that game. He wasn't. We both kind of thought that we were saving him for app. And then we, we find out later on, you know, maybe the extent of the injury is worse. He's also not even dressed against app. If he was going to play in the last couple of weeks, it probably was going to be against app. Right. I mean, it's the, it's the way yeah, I kind of look yeah. at it, um, where you bringing him back just for the bowl game probably isn't that, you know, doesn't make that much sense. But as a fan, as a fan, I would love to see it. I just would. Um, yeah, you know, as a fan, you it's would, crazy to would, think that Georgia right. State was his last, you know, was his last game, you know, lost to Georgia State was his last yeah. game. So, yeah, that's yeah, that's a bummer. Um, yeah. So as a fan, you would love to see him come back and, and, and lead, especially, you know, because of the 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 first bowl game he was in against Eastern Michigan with the with the scramble and the yeah book uh, bookend it all, yeah kind of bookend yeah. his career here with with two yeah. with two victories and I mean who knows I mean maybe we see the moment I don't know but yeah chances are it's mostly and again you got to give confidence in in that kid and and you know as far as like what's behind him I don't know you know if if Tomlin's not ready if Words isn't ready or, or isn't even dressed you know what's the status of Kinnerson. You know, I mean, God forbid anything happened to Mosley. You know, so it's it's just I know it's it's we're we're depleted there. So I mean, yeah, going going back to your point, um, you know, you've got Louisiana Tech dealing with similar issues. So um, you know, in their last game that they played, again, uh, missed um, missed out on a bunch of games this year because of COVID uh, issues, but. And the last game they played, a 52 to 10 uh, loss, just a rout um, in, against uh, TCU. They lose uh, their starting quarterback, Luke Anthony, um, and uh, he uh, like kind of shattered his ankle, basically, is, is what happened. And um, so he's obviously out for the rest of the year and possibly into t- uh, 2021. Um, but uh, yeah, it's going to be kind of the battle of the backups in this one. Um, and you know, Louisiana tech, um, they are, you know, similar in makeup kind of to a lot of the teams we saw in the Sun Belt this year where, you know, they are, um, they'll put up a lot of points on you, put up a lot of yards, but not necessarily, um, or they, they give up a lot too. So 29, uh, points per game, 29.3, uh, but they allow 34.3 points per game. They, Average 325 yards a game. They give up 425 yards a game. So you know it's it's one of the, but but we've seen we've seen this. You know they're they're kind of the antithesis to to an FAU, which is going to beat you just by def, uh, by defense. Um, but you know with uh, with like your Texas states and Georgia states, we we've seen teams like this where we're like, oh, it's going to be like this. 
uh, you know, scoring battle, and then it ends up not being the case. So you mentioned Liberty; it, it could very well be the same kind of low scoring, uh, grinded out. Um, you know, where all of a sudden their defense shows up, and it looks like they don't have one. So, um, but I, I, I feel pretty. I, I guess as confident as I could uh, going into this matchup. Um, you know, Louisiana Tech. Uh, they've this is their seventh straight bowl game. They're six and zero in that run, uh, longest winning streak uh, in the country. Um, so, I mean, this is a team that is used to this. You know, I mean, they're 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 um, they're built to, to to win bowl games, and um, but I think they're without a doubt having a down year. Um, again, you know, dealing with a lot of COVID issues. Their most to me, their most impressive win is against UAB. Uh, yeah, this year, yeah, I was gonna say they beat Miami last year in a bowl game, right? I think it was the Independence Bowl. They beat Miami, so you know, yeah. this this is a program that's it's a pretty good program. It's uh, certainly good by Conference USA standards, but yeah, this year, um, they again they went uh, more than four weeks without a game, so the entire month of November, uh, they they played UAB, uh, won that one in double overtime, uh, thirty seven to thirty four. That was on Halloween, October thirty first. They wouldn't play again until December third against North Texas um, in a game which they uh, I watched actually a lot of that game um, and it was just kind of a scoring fest and it was never really that close forty two to thirty one um, they put up a ton of points but um, and and North Texas is they have no defense <laughs> North Texas has absolutely no defense they just outscore people so it was a little bit of a shootout so they win that one uh, before getting routed um, in uh, in in Texas against TCU fifty two to ten and losing their quarterback um, but yeah they're they're best Best win would be that UAB game. I agree. Uh, I, again, took double overtime to do it. Everything else, just not that impressive. Nothing really jumps off the page. Uh, you squeak, They squeak out a one-point win against uh, Southern Miss um, after having their game against Baylor uh, you know, postponed. Um, so yeah, win that one against Southern Miss, 31-30. to They beat Hugh. They went on him. And- put on a whooping to FAU. They so they missed. Yeah, it. they did. They did. Yeah, yeah right. Uh, exactly. After after we won that one, um, you know, Southern Miss isn't a very good football team. We saw South Alabama beat them early in the year. I think what they came into the FAU game just with two wins. Obviously, they lost their coach and lost their interim coach uh earlier this year dealing with just, you know, a mess there. They just hired, I believe, next coach. But uh yeah, and uh, you know, that uh, Southern Miss ends up pulling Pulling out that one against FAU, I whooped them. Um, but with Louisiana Tech, after that game, played Houston Baptist, won that 66-38. Um, you know, really no surprise there. It maybe is worth noting Houston Baptist did almost beat Texas Tech this year. Um, they lose to BYU, no surprise there at the time. They're 22 in the country. Um, they lose that one 45-14. to they squeak out a win against UTEP. They lose to Marshall, thirty-five to seventeen, and they uh, and they uh, lose to um, UTSA, twenty-seven to twenty-six. So, like us, playing a lot of close games. Um, but yeah, but the the most impressive win has to be UAB, I think. Um, and uh, and yeah, and, and then just missing that whole gap in November. So I, I think I think it's a favorable matchup. Um, you know, it's you'd love to see us go into it full strength, uh, but it's clear that neither team is, is going to be entering this team full strength um, or entering this game full strength. And I think we maybe have an advantage, at least with a quarterback position, because well, I guess in the last game, both quarterbacks came in. I think we have just more weapons where just the style of offense we run, given Mosley, I, I, I think we can win this game offensively by not putting 
too much pressure on Mosley, right? Having him just kind of be a game manager, um, make good decisions, don't turn the ball over, um, but spread the ball around enough, whether it's handoffs, pitches, or throws, to our playmakers to make those big plays. Um, yeah, he has to be like a J-Bo show. Exactly. Yeah, just kind of a, a option game manager, and I think we can win this one uh, where I honestly have really no idea about uh, their backup, you know, but they obviously they're kind of more pass heavy. Um, so I, I think we have an opportunity there to uh, get some turnovers, you know, uh, pick them off. Um, you would, you know, blitz the heck out of them and uh, make them as uncomfortable. Yeah, as- I was going to say, if if they're pass heavy, then we utilize our front seven to really kind of ratchet up the pressure on their quarterback. All game long. You know, getting their All face. game long. Yeah, if, especially if he's a backup and hasn't had a whole lot of playing time. Yeah, I think you put the you think you put the pressure on him early and often and see if he can take it, you know. Um, kind of like how you did with the Troy situation earlier this season, right, with their backup quarterback. Uh, remember, he came in and played against Arkansas State, mm-hmm. threw the ball all over Arkansas State. You know, he looked like he was just the the, the next coming of the great Troy quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what does Sloan and company do? They ratchet up the pressure, bring it just about all game long, keeps him uncomfortable, keeps him um, to where he, he's looking to, to throw the ball before he's ready to. And, you know, you saw what it is. He only scored 13 points, and we ended up winning the game. I think um, – you know, I think maybe that's something we kind of do with this one. I think we put the pressure on him early and often and see if he can handle it. And if they can't, I think that, as you said, probably in the turnovers. I think it's Mosley. I think the, the thing with him is we got to make sure we don't turn the ball over. No interceptions, no fumbles. Um, we think we also have to really make sure that we get that dive game going and get Logan Wright in a rhythm and a flow. Same thing with Joe Green. Mm-hmm. And just keep pounding the ball. Four or five yards is what we want. Four or five yards. Four or five yards. Just grind it out. Grind it out. Um, I, you know, it, it's. I think it's. Um, you know, if we do that, I think we have a pretty good shot at winning this football. So this game. this and, is interesting. So know, Aaron Aaron Allen, he's a sophomore. He he's the backup. Um, he's the one that came in uh, after uh, Anthony, their starter, um, went out, and he uh, he's actually played uh, quite a bit this year. So you know, against. Uh, TCU came in, didn't really do much. Um, again, they were already way down at that point, uh, but he was five for 11, only 31 yards, uh, through two picks. Uh, he's also sacked once, um, but he's played in four other games this year. Uh, and the, the most playing time it looks like he got is in that win against UAB. So, um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if he won that game, but he was 18 of 26 for 191 yards, um, completion percentage of 69.2. Um, and he had, uh, two touchdowns and no picks. So, you know, by far his best game of the season, uh, seems to be his most playing time of the year, um, and in their most impressive win. So, you know, don't, don't look past that. And, uh, let's see rushing wise. Yeah. Nothing. No. Yeah. So he, he's definitely kind of seems to be more of like a pocket pocket guy. Um, I think he has like negative nine yards maybe all year. <laughs> um, so, <Gosh. laughs> uh, yeah, so, so nothing to really report there. Um, so, yeah, it goes back to, to our point of, of just uh, um, make him feel the pressure. You make it as, make him as uncomfortable as possible. Uh, yeah. But that is interesting that, you know, he, he's, he's played in five games and, and uh, you know, his best performance has been in, in their easily their most impressive win in that 37-34 double overtime win against UAB. So, um, yeah. So yeah, that that's going to be kind of the story in this game. Um, you know, I think I think it's a 
situation where we can shut them down. It They won't score as many points as they're used to. Um, we just have to make a few plays, I think, just offensively. Um, again, not turn the ball over ourselves, get the ball, get our playmakers involved. You know, if special teams can come through, if we can get, you know, a play out of Caleb Hood on, on a punter kickoff return, something like that would be great. Um, but I, I, I think that's going to kind of be the difference in this game. This is this is, this is is pretty wild. In that UAB game, UAB rushed for 338 yards. Louisiana Tech only rushed for 49 yep. yards, and they end up – now, here's the thing. You have uh, – UAB gave up three turnovers. They had 12 penalties for 105 mm-hmm. yards. Um, gosh, they, they – total total offense, they had over 100 more yards than Louisiana Tech. They were two of thirteen on third down. So I think you kind of when you start looking at these stats, you kind of see where and what happened in that game. UAB was up thirty-one seventeen going into the fourth quarter, and Louisiana Tech scored two touchdowns to tie it, and then obviously they won it just exchanging field goals in the overtimes. So that's interesting. Was that the backup that brought him back? Do you know? Yeah, Yeah. the backup is what brought him back. He got two touchdowns in the in that fourth quarter. So this looks to be a team. Obviously, that is just going to throw the ball. They don't really. I don't. It doesn't appear that they really care about running. The Ninety-seven yards, uh, average rushing a game. Yeah, two two twenty-seven through there. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's going to be more like your Texas States. You know, I mean, I think it's going to be kind of like a similar matchup to like something like that. Um, yeah, okay. where it's just you know, um, even like ULM, um, where you, you just expect them to kind of sling it all over, and I think we're built you know, pretty good for that. I mean, obviously our defense is good against a run. Um, and you know, maybe they try that a little bit, but we shut that down. Um, but hopefully we get, you know, talking about injuries. Do we get Derek Canteen back? You know, that that's going to be huge, you know? Um, yeah. So Duncan Duncan Jr. Jr. If we can get those two guys back, I feel really, really good about our, uh, you know, chances defensively. Um, you know, obviously limit, stuff on on special teams limit those kind of mental errors and mistakes and obviously don't give up kickoff returns you know field position game all this kind of stuff know when to take the ball out of the end zone um if if that if all that is squared away i think mosley and the offense can do enough um to to get our eighth win of the year um and and yeah i mean i, I really don't know i mean i guess what uh, one thing to bring up, uh, you know, this, I don't know too much about Louisiana tech. I think the thing that comes to mind a lot, <clears throat> and we might see if maybe, uh, you know, leading up to the game, we can't get, uh, someone from, from their side. Uh, if they have a podcast, I've, I've seen a couple people on Twitter of, uh, blogs and, and whatnot, um, on their end. Uh, maybe we talk to them to get some more insight, but obviously the thing that comes up all the time is that uh, video, um, that press conference from their AD. It's not even their AD anymore, um, but he left. He left, but he, he kind of went on a rant when asked the question about Louisiana Lafayette. Obviously some history there with Lafayette. Uh, those two schools, it is clear, do not like each other. And uh, and it seems like Louisiana Tech has always kind of prided themselves as kind of like the big brother, you know, so to speak. Um, you know, maybe they have a little bit of like a Georgia State 
you know, vibe to them where they feel like they're just uh, that that Louisiana Lafayette's kind of beneath them, um, you know, or, or and and I don't know, you know, maybe not like from a media market standpoint or anything, but just that they're small potatoes and th- that sort of thing. Um, so yes, this AD goes on a rant about how there's been no conversations of like a merger of Conference USA and, and the Sun Belt because there's always that debate of, of which conference is better. And he basically said that if Louisiana knows what's good for him, they would be asking to join Conference USA because it's a superior conference. And that obviously rubbed a lot of people the wrong way, not just at Lafayette, yeah, uh, but but across the Sun Belt. So and it seems that, you know, it's clear that uh, Louisiana, um, but also App State fans are even like cheering for us in this one. So it's it's going to be a rare, uh, a rare, a rare instance where um, we have the majority of our conference mates kind of rooting for us in this because it seems like this Louisiana Tech team, and maybe you know it's it's not even fair to them because again that AD is not even there anymore. Um, but they have not forgotten that. Um, it left a bad taste in their mouth and it doesn't seem like this program is very well liked. Um, so, you know, and maybe we can talk to our friends at the Louisiana, uh, podcast, um, the region review and get, get their insight on it. But, but they reached out, they were like, please beat these jerks, you know? So like, um, (laughs) we'll, we'll, we'll see, um, you know, kind of how, how they are. But again, this is a team that's used to this position, uh, longest, uh, bull win strength of the country, six wins. Um, so they have like a nine game winning streak or they're either not and no against, uh, some 10 and O I think it was, I think it was 10 and O. Yeah. And they, they were never a Sunbelt member. They were, uh, for football. They were, they were a Sunbelt member for all other sports. Um, and never, never for football, but they're 10 and O against the Sunbelt. So again, that kind of plays into that. And yeah, you always have that debate of, and I, I think it's clear. We're not going to get far into this cause we could talk for, you know, another 30 minutes about it or more. Um, I think by far the superior conference, especially this year, is the Sun Belt over Conference USA. I don't think there's a question yeah, about this, it. Yeah, it's, yeah, over especially over uh, USA and MAC for sure. Um, and then you kind of get in the debate as to where does it line up against the the Mountain West and then American Conference. And I think you, I think we can clearly see we've we've closed that gap quite substantially, if not past the Mountain West. This year, I think um, we have. Yeah. Now. Uh, yeah, because I mean, hell, BYU beat Boise State, obviously their best team by a whole Correct. bunch in, in Boise, yep. and then they came over to Coastal, and Coastal yep. beat them. So, I, I think you can make a strong argument there that maybe Coastal is even better than Boise State, and then you, yeah, you know, whatever. Yep. Um, as you said, we can go on. We're the second best. Ba- I think um, I think it's clear this year that we're the second best Group of Five conference behind AAC. I mean, I, I think that's pretty clear. Um, yeah, when you look yeah. at it, yeah, and and you can you know make the debate of, of coastal and Cincinnati and all this, um, and even Louisiana and then the 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 farce that's going on with the again not going to get into that, but uh, with college, oh, we're going to touch on that subject uh, with the college football, yeah, yeah, right, with that. the college football playoff and Iowa State being ranked as high as they are, and, and you know the team that they I lost. I think that's the that's the one team that I think well outside of Georgia and Florida being ranked where they are. I think when you look at the college football playoff iowa state i think is a team that rubs people the the wrong way the most yeah because two losses you, know, you lose to louisiana to open losses, the year by what 19 yeah. 17 19 17 yeah. something like that um yeah. so i i to me could they be a top 15 team sure but it, it's it, i have a very hard time even putting them above louisiana who is only lost you know i mean you know why that why that we're not going to get off on a tangent here but you know why it's because of oklahoma everybody 
Yeah, it's because of Oklahoma. It, it, it's to give know, them a quality uh, win it, when if if uh, if Oklahoma beats them in in the conference I, championship. That's why. I understand. Yeah. I get it. It's it's we all understand the politics that that goes on in it. Um, but yeah, this year more than more so than any of the other years, you can see definitely the bias and definitely the that. There's no oh, chance clearest day. That, yeah, a, that a group of five will no ever. chance that a group of five will ever get anywhere close to to a at playoff. least a fourteen and, playoff. Uh, yeah, at least a fourteen playoff. You know, I saw you know Captain Clack. He put his he's put his tweets out there as how it will look under a sixteen team playoff. I don't know people are gonna go. It'll for never a get to that. Playoff. It'll never ever ever get to sixteen. I think I eight think, is the best I we can it, ever get, and it's never gonna be all I eight. It's so. never gonna be all eight conferences. It's gonna be. It's going to be your uh, five uh, automatic bids for your power five and then three yeah. at large, and you hope that one group of five team can get one of the three at larges. That's, that's yeah. what it's going to and come down to. They'll probably make some crazy rule saying that they have to be undefeated and ranked in the top or 12. Or something, or like, or two, yeah. two or more top 25 wins or some crap. Something, yeah. something Because, I mean, like all, yeah, yeah, all, be some... you'll just see a shift. I mean, where, where, where they're keeping uh, Cincinnati on the outside, okay, put them at seven, put them back at nine. You know, they're, they're yeah. far enough away where they can't really, like – you know they they see they see it it's in reach but they can't ever get it. Um, the, you know the dangling yeah. carrot. They'll just put them farther I out. They'll the just only, be twelfth. You yeah. know. <laughs> yeah. The only way the only way you ever get to sixteen team playoff and they'll never do this is that if you only play a conference only schedule. Yeah. Similar to kind of like you do in FCS, you do have one or two games that are outside your conference, but it's pretty much only just a, a conference only schedule that you play. Yeah. And then and then you could expand the playoff at that point, but I I never you won't I don't think you'll ever see that. No, you won't. I think um, six six happen. to eight. So, you know six with like some like weird buy. Type I think thing. six. Yeah. I think six is six is too little. I think eight is fine. Um, you know if you if I think if they they realize I think if they go past eight and you get to ten or twelve, then you're gonna have to get into the conversation of do you get up an auto bid to all the conferences, and that's not gonna happen. No, you're not. So yeah, I think. Um, Eight teams will probably be as far as they push it. It's a shame because I think it should be the ten auto bids plus two or four more teams, and then you can kind of see how your. See, I know. I think it's there. look. I I love the FCS playoffs. I do, um, but I do think that it's different. I I think once you're getting to like sixteen, you've got some teams there that I mean, like really, like like a UAB. I don't think, or or you know, if FAU ends up like uh, or going to, um, are they playing for the Conference USA Championship? I think who UAB, or, I think UAB so. and yeah. FAU is it FAU because. Marshall no. could play, or uh, I don't know. I anyway, don't know. but yeah, you, you you don't want like a Marshall team that lost to Rice or an FAU or, or someone like that. Uh, uh, you know, even a Boise State with a couple losses, or you don't want them in a sixteen team playoff. I, I don't know. So like, as as much as I love the FCS playoffs, um, I don't think that is the answer, uh, and it's it's a it's a moot point because it's never going to happen. But uh, you know, eight teams, I think you're actually getting. I think you can make an argument every year for like, yeah, there's going to be kind of a a gap or a drop off at some point, but I think you can make an argument that the top eight teams, you know, all are equal enough where, you know, you, you could see some movement there, but, but having a situation like March Madness or something where you have like an FAU playing Alabama in the first round, like, come on, you know, like I, I just, well, you wouldn't do that. That's what I'm saying. If you keep it, I don't think you go into 16. I think you put it more on the lines of either 12 or, or 10 and you have those buys for the kind of the top two or top mm-hmm. four to where at that point you can have a, all right, five plays 12, six plays 11, seven plays 10, eight plays nine. And then 
whoever wins that, then you can reseed it by whoever's the lowest seed at that point plays Alabama or the number one seed and then so forth until you fill out the next round of games. And I think at that point, then you can justify, well, okay, if the 12 seed beat the five seed, then obviously they should be somewhat competitive against the number one seed or whoever the, whatever the case may yeah. be. Um, so I think, I think 12 teams is is definitely the max if it ever expands out. Eight teams will probably be what it will realistically be. Yeah. yeah, but if you get the 10, you do an auto for maybe the eight conferences. I don't know how you would determine which two G5 conferences don't get the auto. See that? Bit. Yeah, that's the hard part is I don't that's, think. That's yeah, the cause, hard cause part. Because you would, you, would so you, you would want more at large because you know they're going to put – if the more you ex- – you're already getting two SEC teams, possibly two ACC teams in the four-team yeah. playoff every year. So – well, you're not even talking about independent it, schools, right? Because Notre Dame, I think they're going, going back. back they're going back. But you're always going to yeah. have two SEC schools that are in the hunt. Now it's this year it's Alabama and Texas A&M, right? But like, but let's be real though. I mean, would a Pac-12 champion compete any worse than Coastal no, Carolina? No, they won't. But they no. won't. But no, in fact, they'll Coastal never give probably, them a chance probably, to do it. They they just won't. Yeah, yeah. they never. Yeah, that, yeah, that, yeah. That, I, I'm on the same page with you, but I'm just saying they'll they'll it'll never happen. So, um, all I'm saying is is expanding it out to even eight or, or even 10 or whatever, um, you're going to get a situation where the, if it's still the college football playoff committee, they're still going to go with the blue blood programs. And that's just going to open up more spots for sec teams or ACC teams, or, or possibly like a USC or something where maybe they're not as good as Louisiana, coastal Carolina or Cincinnati, but they're going to get in cause they're USC, you know? Um, and they yeah. lost in the conference championship game or something, you know, to, to Oregon. And then now Oregon and, you know, uh, USC are both in, in a, in a 10 team playoff or, or some crap, you know, you're going to see stuff like that. You're going to see three sec teams in an 18 playoff. Like, like that's going to happen. Um, but yeah. yeah. So anyway, um, it's, it's fun to debate, I guess, and talk about it, but, uh, with, uh, you know, with the Sun Belt kind of wrapping that up, I mean, what a year, I mean, what a year, um, you know, uh, obviously we're not where we want to be. We want to be in that conversation with coastal, uh, in, in Louisiana app obviously had a little bit of a down year, um, but they're still, you know, a, a quality program. Um, we're kind of somewhere in the middle right there. And again, we want to get over that hump and take that next step, but th- these are all good things. I mean, you can hate on coastal, you can hate on Chadwell. You can not like Billy Napier in Louisiana. Obviously we all hate on app, but these are, Pro, you know, this is where we want to get to, and ultimately, it's good for the conference. It's good for everybody involved, you know, because now it's not just a top-heavy conference like we've seen in the past, where you just have like two to three good teams. We're top to bottom outside of you know uh, your Monroe's. Um, you know, South Alabama is is trending up. I think Troy is trending up. Um, you know, Georgia State had you know a pretty decent year. Um, Arkansas State had a down year, but you know they get a new uh, coach. So and uh, and and Jones. So you know it's it's I I I think overall as a conference, the Sunbelt Conference is is trending in the right direction. Completely yeah. agree. Completely agree. So with that, Cody, I guess anything else to wrap up with uh, this bowl, um, the app game, recruiting, anything? No, I'm just excited about recruiting. Fantastic gets um, across the board 
Um, I know that we highlighted some of the more um, higher rated prospects, but I think you, I think we really hit some some home runs when it comes to the offensive and defensive line that we didn't have a chance to get to talk yep. about. Bowl game, again, if it's Mosley, um, pull him for you, man. I mean, I know that you want to go out there and redeem yourself from the app game, and we all are behind you 100%, and go out there and, and, and beat this team and, and bring home the second second bowl win in, in, or third bowl win in, in team yep. history. So, I don't know. I mean – Recruiting's done. Hyped about that bowl game. Hyped about that. Hyped about twenty twenty one. I mean, I don't know what what more. I'm I'm getting hyped about basketball. I think basketball is is trending yep. upward. Yep. Almost pulled off a win against uh, Mercer. Uh, yeah, we did. Even though we were up yeah. big, it's still Mercer. I mean, Mercer beat double digit wins over Tech and Correct. State. So, I think uh, Coach Berg has our team heading in the right direction. Young team in regards to that they've hardly ever played with each other. Um, new head coach. But I think everything that we've I've seen I, I don't know I'm not going to speak for you but everything that I've seen coming out and what I've seen in, in far as games goes I think this is going to be a um, forever how long Coach Berg is here I think it's going to be a very exciting time and as far as Eagles basketball yeah well one of the most exciting times I mean yeah there's going to be a learning curve there's going to be some some growing pains right like you said. Um, it's not going to be an overnight thing, but I think we're we're set up really strong on on basketball. Both both you and I are really excited about that. I've been watching pretty much every single game, which I can't say was always the case, especially this early in the season, even in a normal year in the past. Um, I think there's kind of a new energy, a new life uh, to the program that uh, that Coach Berg has brought in, um, and I think you'll continue to see that to grow. So I mean, maybe that's something that we expand on and talk a little bit about basketball after uh you know after the bowl game and um you know depend on kind of like how the season goes and uh fill fill some gaps there but but yeah we'll we'll, we'll definitely have at least one more episode um uh, you know before taking a break uh and uh and recap the bowl game recap the season again as a whole maybe have you know, expand on some of these other uh you know conversations and uh and yeah Cody um but uh, until then let's Let's GATA in the Big Easy, and as always, hail Southern. Hail Southern. Thank you for listening to Gotta Talk. Be sure to visit our website, gotatalk.com. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Gotta Talk Podcast for more news and coverage of Georgia Southern football. Reach out with questions, share your thoughts, or suggest topics on our social media channels or by emailing us at gatatalkpodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, Eagle Nation, gata and hail Southern. Southern.